0: And now, gambling terms. Push, a wager that results in a tie. Even
1: money. Bet with the same payout as you wager. Legit, knowing where it's truly legal to gamble in Colorado. You can enjoy legal gaming in Blackhawk, Central City, Cripple
0: Creek, as well as licensed online sports and off-track betting in Colorado. Play legit and gamble only where it's legal. Learn more now at playlegitco.com. A message from the Colorado Division of Gaming. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: Having an awful week? Well, hang in there because we are back with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender Rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Muhammad, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Jacob Redmond. Jacob, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well, Zach. Uh, You know, it's been a pretty good week. I'd say less productive than it should be because I'm afraid to admit that I am addicted to this uh, Super Brawl uh, game on my phone. Oh, you just keep playing it, huh? Yeah, it started off as a bit, uh, and then I unlocked Aang, and then I unlocked Korra, and I was like, this is pretty fun, you know, I can get behind this, and now I've leveled is- up my uh, my avatar to, like, level four or five or whatever it is, like four or five stars, and so I'm pretty good, uh, I really have to stop playing it.
1: Is now. there a character that's OP, it doesn't have to be Korra or Aang, but is there, like, a character that's just so overpowered, like, is there, is, like, Patrick the most powerful character in the game or something?
0: So there's a few different SpongeBob variants and there's one that's like the
1: DoodleBob uh from that oh, episode. Oh just is it just DoodleBob or like is, yeah. is it SpongeBob? Oh, okay, No, it it's
0: DoodleBob and DoodleBob is is pretty sick. The other person that's uh really good is there's like a in the Avatar State Avatar. So it's oh. like Ang in the Avatar State. I have not unlocked uh that one yet, but very very hard to beat.
1: Oh, good to know, good to know. Yeah, it's been a long time since a mobile game has really sunk its hooks into me. Like, I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links sporadically, but I don't know. The the pay-to-win aspect of a lot of these mobile modern mobile games is what turns me off on a lot of them.
0: Yeah, I agree. I keep getting ads that says, like, only 99 cents, and you can unlock this character, and I have to just uh, keep resisting. Yeah, that, I that, no that's, that's my issue
1: paying. with all these games. No, save, yeah. save, save. I'll never, I'll never spend money on any of these things. Yeah. But yeah, Jacob, you were telling me on the pre-show you were on Robin Akiva and Nita podcast, which I did not know. And I, you were on the Am I the A-hole episode for yeah. the uninitiated listeners. But So if, before we get into this Avatar stuff, can you... Briefly outlined the dispute you and Lydia had. Maybe I'll provide my take right here, right now.
0: Yeah. So uh, minor spoilers for the uh, AITA episode uh, that I was on, at least my segment. So uh, I am addicted to cracking my knuckles. Uh, I mm-hmm. do it all the time. Uh, maybe actually, if you're like a careful listener of this podcast, you might be able to hear it sometimes.
1: Really, I've never heard it. I've never well, heard that, it. On that's good.
0: Other that actually might just be uh, Maddie, our editor, doing a fantastic job. I would not be surprised <laughs> if uh, if she's just uh, putting in heart. Maybe learning.
1: she just like, damn Jacob and his damn <laughs> knuckles cracking every time I'm <laughs> in them out of the episode i would Maybe not she be, just like cussed you under her breath the whole time while she had it. who knows i would not be shocked
0: but <laughs> yeah the dispute was so uh i really want to crack lydia's knuckles and i think that i should get to uh at least sometimes a day and she does not like to um so that was the discussion was like how could i crack her knuckles and essentially they said that we should uh come to trades so like anything that she wants to do that I don't want to do, we can just trade for knuckle cracks.
1: Is, is there, is there a reason you want to crack her? Is it like, that's, that's what that's my kind of where I'm yeah, lost yeah. a little bit. Sure. Sorry. sure. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm
0: happy to break it down a little bit more. Okay. So perfect. perfect. The, the feeling of cracking knuckles is like really satisfying. Like it's like, uh, it's just like anything that's like, I don't know, that someone's mildly addicted to.
1: No, I, like, I, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Uh, yeah. I understand. But what's the, so you just like cracking anybody's knuckles. There's well, something about Lydia's knuckles in particular. No, what?
0: no 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 anyone's knuckles would do but mine take time to like recharge before they're ready to crack again uh and so oh, sometimes so I you need... so you
1: just need oh i get it so it's yeah. like a stress ball or something exactly Is there like a toy you could buy like a knuckle cracker like prosthetic hand maybe that you could just keep That's on the table idea. instead That's of like a... a stress ball you just have this like hand that you can crack its knuckles at any time maybe you yeah. could find one that doesn't even need to recharge like a filthy human so yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. See, I was about to ask if, uh I, don't, I, I could, don't know if that's the best idea, but
0: you're too kind, Jacob. No, I, I yeah. was about to ask if I could crack your knuckles. I think uh, Akiva asked if uh, I, if you would let me. What What do you think, Zach? What are my chances here?
1: Um, I just got to, I can, I can see why Lydia would have reservations because just this is just such an odd request. I mean, sure, I don't really care. For me, it's like I used to crack my knuckles a lot. Now I rarely crack them. I've been cracking them now while we're talking, just cause. Yeah. So when you crack your knuckles, I can the listeners can't see this, but do you just crack these, or do you crack like you can crack the er, joints in the fingers as well, like so, the top of the fingers? I mean, so I would say I I'm uh.
0: Like an equal opportunity cracker, mm-hmm. so I definitely uh, will like crack the small knuckle between like the actual like part of your finger yes. and like yeah. the main part. a, a lot of
1: people don't crack
0: that part. Fun fact. No, I'm I'm all for it. I'll crack them all, and then uh, yeah, I, I've actually found some like other ones. Like if I push on my wrist, I can crack that. Like I'm I'm pretty. Do you experienced crack your here. neck
1: too. Oh, all the time all the time yeah sometimes i'll crack my neck on the podcast and i feel like that's pretty noisy <laughs> so i try not to do it because i did it a couple of times in earlier episodes like when you're a mid-sentence and i'll just start like i'm yeah. listening but i'm like cracking my neck and doing stuff well mm-hmm. i think i don't know if the audience has had enough of this uh, joint cracking discussion if you want to <laughs> listen to more you can check out jacob on his appearance on rob and akiva need a podcast and the rob is a podcast main feed that episode should be great with puya i haven't listened to it in full yet i only listened to the first 10 minutes so I'm excited to get into that, but I'm also excited to get into this episode of Avatar. Book two, episode four, correct? The Swamp. Yes. I, I really I really enjoyed this episode, actually. More so, this episode for me was kind of like the deserter in the sense that I didn't like have too much of a, an opinion on it when I first watched it. And watching it on this rewatch, I came to appreciate it more than I did even in my first watch. I don't know if you felt similarly, Jacob.
0: No, I I felt uh, pretty similarly. I feel like this is an episode which, like, um, gets uh, a fair amount of praise, and I've never really seen why. Uh, I mean, I I was
1: always kind of indifferent on this, similar to my feelings about May last week. I was always Mm. kind of indifferent to this episode. (laughs) I could see Jacob's look of disapproval. Hey, you you yeah. slowly convince me that like Mei is a very good redeemable character. Like I'm, I'm, I'm open to change, and I'm willing to listen.
0: Yeah, she's like an A tier character. She's uh, quite good. But I agree. Like this, this episode of uh, Avatar is always like you know talked about as great, great. Uh, I think that people really like the swamp people. Uh, who is it?
1: Felipe, who said it was the most overrated episode of avatar. And I don't know about that because I don't know if it's highly rated enough to be classified as like overrated almost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this was happening. That's a kind the, of a hot take. Yeah. in the, in the Facebook discussions uh, thread, that's what uh, Felipe was saying that this is the most overrated episode of the show And then Sarah responded and said, "I didn't know that this was ever highly rated."
1: I'm Team Sarah. There, I kind of completely She
0: spoke my thoughts, honestly. And uh, Audrey came over the top and said, "Who have you ever heard uh, or ever spoken to that's regarded it highly?" uh, (laughs) I I think that there's a little bit of shade thrown to Felipe, but I actually agree with Felipe. I think I have heard this episode be talked about as Mm -hmm. like one of the better ones. And while I think it's actually pretty good on a rewatch. When I first watch it, or when I watch this on like, uh, like in a binge, when I'm watching a lot of episodes at a time this one's kind of like, okay, yeah, like, you introduced Toph, but can we just, like, get to the Blind Bandit?
1: like I, Yeah, Blind but Bandit? I think everybody's like that, but that, that's just because the Blind Bandit is such a good episode, especially on a binge, because the Blind Bandit, with all the wrestling and all the stuff going on, it's so unlike a lot of the episodes in Season 2, and I think that's why, myself included, a lot of people love the Blind Bandit, but <laughs> I mean, that's doing this a little, that's doing this episode a little bit of a disservice, comparing, like, but yeah, I I, I do kind of see where you're coming from, because I, too, feel similarly, on unbe- I'm like, ah, can we just get to Toph's, like, actual true introduction rather than the spirit of Toph just, like, running away in the swamp forest? So that is a fair criticism, but I also feel like it's doing this episode a little bit of a disservice. Uh, Yeah, I
0: I agree. Like, I think if this was... You know, any earlier in the series, I'd I'd probably like it more.
1: I I think so, too. And I think more people would like if this was like a season one episode, I feel like people would enjoy it because I think it might even be better than the average season one episode. Whereas you can't say the same about it relative to some of the standouts from season two.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with that take, uh-huh. and uh, I I think we're we're pretty uh, simpatico here. So let's just jump yeah. into the episode. True. Uh, yeah,
1: let's jump right in. I'm down.
0: Yeah, so we start with a nice uh, Earth Kingdom village. Uh, it's just a little bit of hustle and bustle in the city. And as we zoom down into the Earth Kingdom village, we see uh we we cut to Iroh and Zuko sitting uh just on a mat with an ostrich horse right behind them. Uh, the, the ostrich one horse had, that
1: they stole, yeah, yeah, the yeah.
0: one they had stolen. And uh, it looks like they're just begging. They're on the street asking people for money as people walk by. Uh, this is rough, you know, real fall from grace for Iroh and Zuko here.
1: Yeah, and Zuko's very unhappy, you can tell. He says they're royalty, they shouldn't be doing stuff like this, people should be bound to them and all that. But Iroh, I'll give him credit, he's good at playing the role of the sad old homeless man. And Iroh almost seems to, like, relish in this role. (laughs) Like, when he's getting money from this lady, he, like, shoots her a sly smile, and he's able to get the coins. And even the thing... With Iroh, relative to Zuko especially, is that one thing about Iroh, he doesn't mind being made a fool of. He doesn't care if people, like, see him as the butt of the joke, whereas Zuko absolutely hates that, especially when he's the butt of one of Iroh's jokes. And that's that's where they differ as characters, and it's very interesting when you see them play in a scene like this.
0: Yeah, I think Uncle Iroh's very confirmed with who he is and how much self-worth <laughs> he has, so it doesn't really matter if they have, yes. you know, this random guy saying, uh, You know, you need to dance for this gold coin or this. We
1: should get into it. We should get into this lady comes. A couple people give them gold coins. But this random man. Ted tells, uh, Iroh, he says, dance for your money. And then he, after he like starts slashing at Iroh's feet with a sword, and then he's like, nothing like a fat man dancing for his dinner while Iroh sings this song. And then I have a question for you. What did you think of Iroh's song? Because while his singing was not great, I did enjoy how like first he's singing a cappella and then like the background music comes in when he starts dancing. I thought that was a nice little editing choice from the set people and sound design of Avatar
0: yeah I was just not a huge fan of the song. you
1: know, <laughs> the song is about like how pretty the girls
0: are in Bossing say and like, you know, Bossing say is a very impressive city uh, and we'll get there in a few episodes, but I didn't like I don't think the that we need to like objectify these girls in Bossing say, like let them live their life like uh, Uncle Iro, come up with better songs. like why not like the flowers of Bossing say are so pretty?
1: Damn, shots fired by Jacob. I don't know. It seemed like just generic songwriting with me was more my issue. (laughs) I don't know if the objectification of woman is was that horrible, especially compared to the modern songs of our of our time so yeah. i don't know i didn't have too much of a gripe with that myself but it is a valid criticism nonetheless
0: it just seems like if you're gonna make up a song uh you know why not make it about something like fun and not like uh the girls there kiss so sweet like uncle iroh's never he's never uh gotten a kiss from a girl from blessing <laughs> say so he's just like i don't know if you're gonna make up a song make something more fun
1: Okay, fair, fair, fair. And then did you like the narrative choice they made to have Iron Zuko just in the scene at the top and then in the final scene of the episode? Because I think that was smart. That way they could fit in the whole plot in the swamp and then it didn't feel too rushed. So I did enjoy that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I do think that maybe uh, we could have had like one more scene uh, with them, like in the middle of the episode where we see like, you know, Zuko uh maybe like, I don't know, get the blue spirit mask back again uh, cause it looked like it was on the cart at the beginning of the episode that was passing by. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, like, good. eye! I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Uh, so maybe like, uh, he could have like taken that blue spirit mask again. Maybe he like, uh, uncle Iroh could have tried to talk him out of robbing the guy with swords. I feel like we could have gotten one more thing that maybe would have made mm-hmm. their story make sense. But ultimately I like that It wasn't so much cross cutting. Like we really were in the swamp this episode. The swamp is really what was important. And yeah, I don't think that this, uh, the like side plot,
1: the B story mattered that much. You think shut up, Tim is a big avatar guy and was enjoying this episode because of the swamp. Cause it's from Shrek. (laughs) Was he just a big swamp enthusiast? Do you think he enjoyed this episode somewhere?
0: Yeah, I'm sure that uh, you know, this is the episode that he just rewatches, uh, you know, in his headcanon, <laughs> like uh Shrek's just around the corner.
1: What what um, bender would Shrek be? Should we stop down? Uh, <laughs> <I'm> yeah, gonna- <laughs> let's let's think about that. So mm, I, I feel I feel like Shrek would be an earthbender. I feel like yeah. you, you like, conventional wisdom might state Firebender because he does have quite a temper, but I feel like Shrek actually is just an earthbender. He does enjoy, like, the nature around him and stuff, I'd have him as an Earthbender, but I'd have to stop down and actually think about it.
0: I I think I agree. I I think I'd be hard-pressed to see who's the firebender in that group if it's not going to be uh, Shrek, but... Would it not be Puss
1: in Booth? I mean, Ooh, we're, we're kind of stopping it, it down the way. Maybe, you know what? This can be a future quartet Cortez okay. Shrek yeah, and yeah, his yeah. gag. Okay, so yeah, we won't get too far down this rabbit hole, but we'll save that for a time. Maybe, like, a, I don't know if Shadow 2 even watches Avatar. movie. We, we could just call him and have him on that segment or something Okay, like the last five minutes. But let's move on here. I mean, as fun as Shrek is to talk about. So Team Avatar, they're flying over the swamp. And you can already tell, like, even from the first shot, you can tell something's off about this swamp. It, like, glows a little bit while Aang is looking down and then and right but before anyone even says anything about the swamp you we you tell something's a little off about this swamp
0: yeah it, it does seem like a bit odd you know Aang is usually like able to understand what spirits are telling him or he's able to like tap into that and here Aang just seems like entranced by this swamp uh like mm-hmm. Sokka notices it pretty quickly like why are you taking us down like why are we why are we essentially landing here? And Aang just, like, doesn't even notice. Uh, and it does seem like the, the swamp has some sort of, a like, glimmer to it, which makes it pretty
1: appealing. Yeah, because c- Aang says, he says, the swamp is calling to me, and I think it wants us to land there. And then the gang has this dilemma, because Aang states, he's like, "Boomy wants me to listen to the earth, and now I can actually hear the earth. And we, he says he's like basically saying he should follow that hunch. But Katara says the swamp feels ominous. And Sokka says like, yeah, even Appa and Momo don't want to be here. So Ang is basically outnumbered four to one, even though he wants to land in the swamp. And he concedes and they start to fly away until a tornado appears like out of nowhere, pretty much and basically just right on Appa's tail it hits all of them and it separates the team they all crash land into the swamp and it separates Appa and Momo from Ang and Sokka
0: yeah what well, one thing i wanted to stop down on here mm-hmm. is that uh so Sokka says like that the uh Appa and Momo don't even want to go here do you actually think that's true like i like i assume that Momo doesn't really care like maybe Appa doesn't cuz he doesn't like being in confined spaces
1: but I thought this was, like, reading into it a, a bit much. Uh, I, I think Appa has, like, a roar of affirmation. It's a little unclear, to be honest, because I kind of thought I thought something similar myself. Like, do yeah. Appa and Momo even care? But if you look at the time Appa has in, in the swamp, if we just look ahead a little yeah. bit and you how he's getting captured and chased by Du and Cho, I feel like Appa probably didn't want to go in the swamp, Obviously, yeah. So I, I did I did kind of, and, and Aang agrees, like, when, when Aang doesn't, like, try to confront Sokka on that point. Aang actually she does start to fly away so and ang knows appa better than anybody so i feel like ang could sense that appa did not want to go down here yeah, this seems like But it was of, a little unclear.
0: This is like uh one of my biggest pet peeves though is when people are always like, "Oh, hey, like uh this animal or this
1: baby thinks this" when like you can't possibly know that. We've talked about this on the podcast and I completely agree. with you. It's so annoying with people and their dogs. <sighs> it's like especially when they have like a dog that's like so not well behaved and just like crappy and then they're trying to like, "Oh, my dog thinks it's like your dog doesn't think about anything except like chewing shoes and stuff." <laughs> so. I don't know. Exactly. Attributing uh, like so, <laughs> so much I, so much motivation to Apa and Momo here is just like Another yeah. instance. Uh, that gets you're me. you're right, but I think Appa and Momo at least show more emotion than the average domesticated animal. Like they do show, like they are kind of anthropomorphized in a way within Avatar. So I don't necessarily mind that with those two animals in particular. But in general, I I have the same pet peeve as you. I don't I don't, I don't like it normally. That's, so that's fair. we're in the same boat. Uh, one one funny joke here. So
0: after the tornadoes like flying at them, and uh, Appa and uh, is like trying to get away. Eng says like, yip, yip, and Sokka says, you better throw an extra yip in there. And I think that's, <laughs> that's like a funny joke, uh, that the more yips is how fast Appa goes, so like, Someone is just like, yip, 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 yip. It's just like zooming, like you're hyper
1: speed. Yeah, Alpa's just moving at like the speed of sound, just like at Sonic the Hedgehog level speeds. Everything yeah. just like spam the yips. No, I, I did enjoy that joke as well. And there's another funny joke right when they land, because, or it's not even a joke, but Katara says, Oh, Sokka, you've got an elbow leech. And I just have this <laughs> note here. Man, that's a huge-ass leech hole. Oh, yeah. I know, yeah. That and was then- a big... Yeah, so Sokka's continue.
0: like Sokka's like, where is it? And uh he's like, it's on your uh or like I think uh Katara like responds sassy, like, where do you think it is? But like how could he not tell? Like this elbow leech has to weigh a few pounds. Like if there are a few pounds weighing on my arm, I think
1: I'd be able to tell. Excuse me. Oh my just my apologies. Um, um yeah, no, I agree with you completely. It looked, it did not it, it didn't it looked like a leech, but it looked just huge like it did not it wasn't like one of those portmanteau animals we normally see in avatar it was just like this like four foot leech hanging off of his elbow like if i saw a leech like that i'm not scared of leeches normally if i saw like a four foot leech i'd be horrified see i'm actually
0: scared of most bugs if i saw that uh like a four foot leech i would just be uh, like peeing my pants
1: running the other direction (laughs) <laughs> that's uh, fair man there's a lot of bugs in this episode honestly that we there get gratuitous close-ups of I, it's not I, like it's not like early spongebob bad of like disgusting close-ups but it's close like that bug he's chomping on later i mean i'm sure we'll talk about yeah, it but pretty nasty yeah.
0: zach i had one question for you are you mm-hmm. someone that mosquitoes like to latch onto a lot like yes. i know you, you are,
1: are. yeah, and, and it's annoying. I got I've got lucky actually. The past couple of summers, I've been mostly inside due to work and other things, so mm-hmm. I haven't been chewed up by mosquitoes. But I remember when I was younger, like I play a lot of basketball outdoors, and I get a lot of mosquito bites. And my mom would be like, "Oh, you gotta shower, otherwise that's why the mosquitoes are biting you because you're not clean." And I was like, "That's this <laughs> day." As I grew older, I was like, "That's the most untrue stuff I've ever heard in my life." Mosquitoes are mosquitoes are actually attracted to blood types, so mosquitoes like certain types of blood, which I learned in my old age contrary to what my mom told me as a child but yeah mosquitoes are annoying to me what about you jacob
0: yeah i had never heard the
1: cleanliness thing that feels like
0: a good I never uh, heard excuse that either.
1: <laughs> like it's like my it's one of those things where your parents tell you something you believe it at face value until you grow up and you're like damn that was not true
0: yeah exactly like uh it's one of those things that like you, you just accept but then once you think back on it you're like no i don't think that's exactly right but no mosquitoes aren't a huge fan of me Uh, I feel like I'm usually able to get uh, like go outdoors and maybe I'm like bugged a little bit. But if I'm near anyone else, I feel like they're going to them first. So I know. uh, Oh, continue. I know now that you're a great person to go camping with if they're all attracted (laughs) to you.
1: Yeah. And, and mosquitoes the only bugs I'll actually kill because I'm not a vegetarian or anything like that, but I have a passive fist and, and made my nature. So whenever there's like a spider or something in the house, I'll usually like capture the spider, release it outside. Mosquito, I'll kill right away because it's harming me. I feel like I'm able to come to that <laughs> rationalizing. Like there's no capture mosquitoes on my shoulder, sucking blood. I'm fuck. I'm smacking that. So yeah. Yeah. There we go little mosquito chat in the middle of the podcast. So then so we we cut to Appa and Momo in um, Avatar and he's Appa's tied up by a bunch of vines but Momo was able to free him. Look at Momo being actually a good friend to Appa here, saving him from all these vines, even though Appa sticks the landing from this huge fall, tries to fly away and then gets stuck in some vines again. So rough <laughs> yeah. go of it for Appa here.
0: Yeah, Momo and Appa are a good tag team. You know, you mm-hmm. have the comically big animal and the really small animal and between the two of them like uh, I feel like they could get a lot of things done you know. No they- I
1: agree because usually the small animal is like useless in these things like especially in cartoons like the big animal does like all the work but Momo's like very nifty very nimble and he does a lot of things for Appa in this episode And even when they're racing away from do and show like Momo does a good job providing Appa with some support there so that's yeah. a very good observation. I, yeah, agree.
0: I, I think uh, you know they're a decent team I, I would not mind watching uh, some episodes of just their misadventures I feel like they could get into some fun
1: Yeah, and I kind of wish Avatar explored that a little more. Because we do get the Appa's Lost Days, which is a fantastic episode focusing on Appa. But I kind of imagine if it's like Appa and Momo's Lost Days. I feel like we kind of could have had even more there, honestly. Because the Appa and Momo dynamic of just them two together is actually not something we get very often. This is one of the few instances of it. Like a whole storyline was just those two. I guess because the show is always focused on Ira and Zuko as well. So it's fair, of course. There's not much time to insert Appa and Momo together, but I, I liked it in this episode.
0: Yeah, I uh, I thought that it played pretty well to have the mm-hmm. animals be the B story here. But uh, going back to the main story, we see Sokka uh, is going around. He's just cutting all of the like different vines and branches with his sword. Uh, he's really just trying to cut through and get somewhere. I'm not really sure where he's headed. It seems like if he went the other direction... There's, like, no need to cut anything. Like, there's, like, tons of open space. But instead, he's, like, going further into the swamp. So, like, Aang tells him, like, be nicer to the swamp. But I think take a step back and just, like, you don't know where you're going. Like, why put the direction, (laughs) which is so hard to get around? Like, go in the empty direction.
1: Which is funny because we saw, like, Cartographer Sokka a couple of episodes ago just setting up the map in the cave and stuff. Yet here, you're right. He was just hacking willy nilly. And then Sokka and Aang have the age old debate of if plants can feel or not. And then Jacob, where do you fall in this argument?
0: Well, so Katara says like this place feels alive, which like made me think like, yeah, cause all plants are alive. Like that's
1: actually, <laughs> that's <seemed laughs> true. Like, uh, Sokka and uh, Katara. Yeah. They had some pretty redundant lives here to be.
0: Honest. Yeah. That, that seemed pretty obvious to me, but I think it's like objectively proven that plants can feel something. Uh, so definitely, like, plants can feel stuff, but you know, if I had to, like, you know, cut down a branch in order to get where I needed to go, you know, I, I'd I'd cut the branch. Maybe I'd first try to
1: move it aside and try to get around it. But well, Well, not that I know anything about biology or plants, but that tree in the center of the swamp is huge. So, like, cutting off a branch, I don't know, that's like cutting off, like, a little a hair off somebody's head, I feel like. Like, yeah. no way that huge tree central to the swamp with all its tendrils is really feeling that. So, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it that probably is true that they're not going to be able to feel it. But it does seem like the, the like, swamp monster that uh ends up following them through this episode is able to track them down. So, potentially, like... Uh, if you're connected to the swamp, you can feel, like, who's, or, like, what's getting cut.
1: Well, th- you're right, because this tree, and we're skipping ahead a little bit, but this tree is not, like, a normal tree in, like, the world. It has, like, some spiritual properties, we'll say. It's almost like that, I don't know if you've ever seen Pocahontas, like, that tree she yeah, talks to, yeah. like, that old lady spirit tree, which I always kind of liked, so it's, it's, it's similar to that in that regard. Like, this tree's got some, like spiritual powers I would say it's not it's not your average run of the mill tree A little say then you say that
0: no that's that's uh, definitely not true uh that yeah it's not uh, it's not the average tree I'd say in terms of special trees it's up there with the uh, the giving tree and others like
1: yes that. yes so we cut back to Appa and momo very briefly cuz <laughs> They're just wandering and poor Appa. Appa's like, he's <laughs> tired. He passes out, presumably of exhaustion and hunger. You can only, you can only just feel sympathy for him here. And then meanwhile, Momo just finds the whistle that they usually call Appa with, the little bison whistle, and then just starts like blowing into it repeatedly. And I, I can only imagine if, like, if, if this was a dog and you're like blowing this high pitched whistle that the dog is sensitive to, basically right beside its head. Like, I can see why Appa is not happy here because he just crushes Momo for for spamming this whistle just like slaps him with his tail yeah it is pretty funny when appa
0: just like absolutely flattens momo with his (laughs) tail like that was a a good joke it's pretty hard
1: i mean i guess he was quite frustrated with the whistle blowing yeah (laughs) because he does crush him
0: i i agree with it there uh have you ever used like one of the apps that can produce like a really high-pitched
1: tone not in many years, because I don't like. I hate that high pitched tone. Honestly, I think my ears like are sensitive to some of those noises. Yeah. I don't know, because sometimes even I'll just be walking around my house and there'll be like some electronic device or something. And I'll hear it like that high pitched like squeal. Almost, yeah, I never yeah. like that. So,
0: so me and my sister used to do this to each other all the time, where we'd like play it in the background. And the perfect thing is if you're using a high pitched tone, your parents can't hear it. So, like mm-hmm. I would be sitting there like pressing the tone, my sister would be like, "Stop it! Stop it, Jacob! Stop it!" And I'd be like, what, mom? Like, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> and my mom's like, yeah, I don't hear anything. And my sister's just like, no, I hear it. I hear it. And uh, usually it ended with my sister flattening me similar to how Appa flattened my
1: <laughs> Damn, uh, Jacob tormented his poor. I assume she did the same to you, though. So no big deal. Oh, all the that, time. that is pretty funny. All the time. Uh, but that
0: was a great prank. That was like uh, one of the better ones because, you know, no one else can hear it except the two of us
1: because we were young. Uh, uh, no that's true that's pretty dastardly on your part we had a little evil genius jacob there i'm telling you i'm the firebender here uh <laughs> true i learn more every day through. so yeah we we cut back to Team Avatar and first there's this bird that has like this like horrifying human scream. Why'd they include this? Yeah. <laughs> this I, was like, this was the one thing that was, it's almost like a jump scare in a show, but it seemed like so pointless. I feel like, cause you see Team Avatar, you see like, you hear this human scream and they just pan out. And it's just this bird on a branch that can somehow make screams like a human.
0: Yeah, so at first, like, there's a bunch of gas, they smell it, and it smells, like, pretty nasty, and then we get this, like, awful screech, and I don't know how this got past the writer's room, because, like, I mean, I guess it's, like, interesting, but, like, that, it's just annoying. Uh Apparently, I had I my agree. volume up too high, because when it happened, uh when it played, I was, like, covering my ears, because it really, it, like, surprised me a <laughs> bit. I was not a fan of that bird. That bird is canceled.
1: Well, it was just so, ra- it was just random to have slotted in there. Like, I guess they wanted it because it like, ooh, the ominous, but I don't know. I enjoyed this episode as a whole, but I thought we could do without this horrifying screeching bird. So, yeah, there I, we go. And, I just and, kinda, and oh, continue.
0: I just kind of think yep. like it's hard to make the episode that scary because it is a children's show. And so, like, mm-hmm. if they can have like, oh, a bird that screams, like, that's probably as scary as they can get without... Yes,
1: like, you no, know, you're probably really right. And they do a good job out. this episode of, like, they don't try to make it necessarily scary. They just try to make it, like, eerie. They hold, mm-hmm. The whole yeah. time, the episode, they want you to feel like something's off. And I actually think they do a good job setting the tone of the episode overall, but just this little bird, that's just my minor gripe with it. And then, so... They're talking about—so Sokka says he's like, I asked the swamp if it feels pain. He said it's fine. He said the swamp said it's fine. So I like how Sokka anthropomorphizes the swamp a little there, which is pretty funny. Yeah,
0: Sokka's just out here disrespecting the swamp. And you know what? Like, most of the time, that's fine. But in the Avatar universe, I feel like you have to put a little respect on everything just because there are spirits that'll, like, you know, destroy you if you destroy stuff. Like, the Heibai— had its forest burned down, and the Heibai was, like, abducting people left and right. Like, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't take my chances if I was Sokka.
1: No, I I agree with you, and I think Sokka is too, like you've seen so much stuff. Maria kind of touched on this in the feedback and maybe we'll go into more detail later when we get into it. But how is Sokka so distrusting of like spirits and spiritual power? Like you travel with the avatar. We're in <laughs> book two already. <laughs> like you've seen all sorts of crazy stuff happen to people. Like you've seen the avatar turn into a giant fish monster and like take out a fleet of a hundred. So like, I understand if like, Episode one, book one. Uh, Sokka is thinking like this, but at this point, he should be a little more wary of like evil spirits. So I, I completely coincide what you're saying. You're 100 yeah. percent correct. I, I agree with
0: you. You know, let's just jump into like Maria's comment now because I do think it's mm-hmm. like very uh, valid. And it already is like mm-hmm. uh, coming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So she just said like uh, I think you guys have touched on this before, but man, Sokka is awfully skeptical for someone who lives in a world with spirits and what is essentially magic exists. And this is something that we said in the uh, in the pilot because. He was uh, talking to Katara about, like, oh, the magic water. Uh, and, like, you know, maybe you can say, okay, then he was just, like, a sheltered South uh, South Pole kid. Like, he has not yeah, seen you, much. Yeah, you can
1: excuse pre- the premier soccer for some of the stuff he says. But now, like, come on, we're so deep into the series. How much crazy stuff have you seen already? Exactly. Like, he's seen all of these things. He's seen the spirit world. He
0: understands. Like, he's seen Roku's body inhabit Aang and like burn an an entire temple to the ground. Like as soon as you see that, like, having a swamp that might be living, like, that's, I... I,
1: Exactly, uh, he, I mean, he sees Yue's spirit in this episode, or he sees, like, a hallucination of Yue. You literally saw a woman you love turn into a moon spirit to save the (laughs) world, and now you're questioning if this swamp can be alive. I mean, you've seen much more insane things than this swamp, so... Yeah, yeah, not to get too on my high horse here, but I don't know how Sokka is so skeptical. I I think you're totally right.
0: I think you're totally right. Maria, like, uh, really summed it up quite well. Yes, no, Uh, Maria summed it up great. But,
1: but, but back to the
0: episode, like. uh so mm-hmm. Katara is like standing around and they uh sort of like are a, a bit sketched out and I think Katara is the one that first mentioned it. She's like, "Do you think we're being watched?" And of course Sokka's like, "Oh no, there's no chance that we're being watched." And then the buzzing fly around them turns into a giant ball of light. Uh it then flies up into the like trees. And then everything turns into eyes around them. It's like all of the bugs just like turn into creeping eyes and they're like, Uh-oh, "Uh Oh yeah. And that was like, that was actually one of the creepiest things in this episode.
1: Yeah. I thought so too. I was wondering like, was it all the bugs or was it just a bunch of animals in the bushes with glowing eyes? I wasn't a hundred percent sure to me. Or was it just the swamp with another hallucination? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I'm not totally sure what it was, but, uh, this is one of the creepier moments and I think this it
0: does a good job again. Like yes it is a children's show, but the whole time I'm also kind of like creeped out just a
1: bit like Yeah, no, they, they do a good job setting like the vibe. It's almost like the beginning of a, for this whole episode is like kind of like the beginning of a horror movie, but they don't get into the actual horror where the mm, whole episode's yeah. like kind of eerie. They have like that dark tone, monochromatic with this whole swamp aesthetic. Yeah. And uh yeah, no, they do a good. I think the overall I, I I enjoyed like the music design and the design overall of this episode.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh So after it comes back from uh, like what would have been a commercial break, we go to Appa and Momo, who are both trying to get a night's rest on the branch. Uh, it seems like Opa's just like conked out. Uh, like Appa seems like he's, uh, like a bit asleep, although like he's growling at points and maybe he's having a night terror. No, or well,
1: I, no he's not having a night terror. What is happening? It's like, so there's animals in the swamp, like the same animals that we watching. The animals won't shut up. They keep making noises and, and Appa, I presume, was tired and hungry. So Appa lets loose this huge roar and then the, all the animals are, like mm. quiet. So Appa just roared so he could go back to sleep. I think is what ends up happening here. Okay, that that makes more sense. That's pretty yeah, relatable. Yeah. That's that's what I have in my notes at the very least. So gotcha. that yeah. was my interpretation of it. I could be
0: wrong. No, no, no. no that we'll that see. seems yeah. right. But yeah. uh, Momo the whole time is just like frantically uh, running around, and that's me when I can't fall asleep. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm up like. Ah, uh, what can I do to go to bed?
1: Really, I'm the now? complete opposite. I'll just like lay in bed, just like angry at my inability to fall asleep until I eventually do. So, yeah, uh, I'd say Very I, different like, in that regard. In terms of sleeping,
0: it probably is my worst trait. I'm so bad at going to bed. Uh,
1: yeah, really. When I'm when I'm tired, it's easy to fall asleep. When I'm I'm getting, and we all struggle with this with the blue light and stuff. We're all looking at our phones, looking at our computers. So I feel like in the modern day, everyone struggles to go to sleep at the best times. Yeah, no, that that is definitely true. Uh, so, so we right now, is here where we get to introduce to Do and Tho. Is this, is this what happens, or is this where they get um, attacked by, like, the vines while they sleep? Yeah,
0: so then we go back to another group that can't sleep, and we see Ang and Saka first. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all around the campfires, the campfire's, uh, like, dying. We start to see, uh, like, someone watching them from, like, a bunch of vines, uh, which we'll later find out is, like, a person in the swamp monster. But for now, we don't know what's going on. Uh, the campfire is dying out, and we see that everyone is being uh, like taken hold of by this vine monster. So a vine goes up Sokka's leg, and by the time that we get back, all of them have vines all around them, totally captured. And we get a bit of like a chase scene here. Uh,
1: yeah, and these vines are quite persistent. They don't stop <laughs> even after they get slashed. Like.
0: That is definitely true. Uh, Yeah, this creepy plant thing is like taking control of all of them. And it's kind of cool here that we see all of them fight uh, in their different styles. So we see Sokka hacking at the vines. Uh, You know, he's using his machete, just trying to yank himself away. Um, He's just like, you know, going at it directly then Katara is using a bunch of water whips, uh, essentially, to get free. Yeah, and I love
1: this, like, Matrix-style shot. Sorry to interrupt, but I like this Matrix- style shot of Katara. So, she's, like, whipping the vines, and it's, like, the camera or, like, the art is, like, going fully around her, and you get, like, a 360 angle, and I thought that was Very dope. All the so, uh, Katara's water bending this whole episode was just amazing. I'm really excited to get into the later fight with the full swamp monster because she uses some very interesting water bending techniques.
0: Yeah, yeah, she definitely uh, uses some techniques that I don't think we've seen before. And there, no, I don't think so either. Uh, But yeah, so Katara's using the water web, and Aang uh, uses like an air bubble. This was the most creative use to get away from the plants, I think, because like there's like a little bit of space around him, and then he creates a giant air bubble, and it like. Causes all of the vines to, like, go, like, a few feet away from his body, so he's able to just jump away.
1: And he starts and seeing Ang him jumping uses, through the trees. Yeah, and he uses this air bubble shield a lot, and it's a very good technique. I think he used it against the Yuyan archers as well. Like, at one point, mm, they yeah. all shoot their arrows at him, and he has, like, this air bubble shield almost. Talk about and Matrix-like. He has a very, pardon me? Talk about Matrix-like. true yeah a lot of matrix i wonder how ang and uh, katara would fare with neo and the gang in the matrix they probably do a great job holding their own i feel like
0: yeah i think uh i think the matrix has to win right like uh if you can essentially like control how like time works then i think that you can beat any elements coming at you
1: True, and I think, like, especially if they're stuck, like, if they're one of the people with, like, the things on their head, then, yeah, they're kind of... If they're in the real world, they're fine, but the Matrix would probably win, sadly.
0: Yeah, well, um, speaking (laughs) of people who would get beaten by others in the Matrix, now we get to the swamp people. Uh, We get Appa's footprint, which is, uh, you know, a pretty large footprint, and we see uh, two different people. One is very tall and quite skinny. And The other one is short and a little on the tubby side.
1: Uh, they both a, f- a portly little chap.
0: <laughs> yes, I know portly chap is one of your uh, favorite descriptors here, but
1: it's <laughs> just funny <laughs> because all, it's just such a funny way to describe a fat person. Shout yeah. out Tyson on Survivor because when you described Boston Rob like that, it just cracked me up. I've always <laughs> tried to use that, incorporate that into my vernacular going nice. forward.
0: Nice, I appreciate that. Uh, but both of these people are wearing, uh, loincloths and not much else. And they have a leaf hat on their head, uh, which can't possibly do that much. Like when it's raining, the leaf hat definitely gets you wet. And when it's sunny, like, you can see right through the leaf hat.
1: So, I don't understand the point of that. But you can immediately recognize. I don't recognize understand a lot about these characters or <laughs> these guys, to be honest. But we'll get into it. So, Jacob, what were your initial thoughts on do and so? yeah Yeah. Uh, as
0: I was about to say, like, you can immediately mm-hmm. recognize, like, these people live in the swamp. Like, uh, they kind of draw from, like, the the Cajun-type people that are, like, you know, swamp people, like, living there, uh, just having a good time. Uh yeah, I I I think the fun characters, Uh it's like an interesting use of uh building out the lore and having these swamp benders be water benders as well uh, leads to some nice jokes later on. But I think it's interesting that we can see, you know, it's not just water benders in the North and South Pole, but we also have these like swamp benders and it kind of shows like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we've only shown you like water bending where people live in ice, but it exists in all forms. And this is like one of the most unique ones.
1: And it's cool i wonder how like in the o- overall avatar lore how these swamp benders like eventually got separated from either the northern water tribe or the southern water tribe because later on in the episode they say they're kin with katara and that kind of got me thinking i was like oh wow these were actually once upon a time these people were like part of an actual water bending <laughs> tribe and then they just seceded and like started living in the swamp for some reason
0: well if anyone's gonna secede it makes sense why the people from the deep south woods so uh
1: oh <laughs> uh,
0: um, oh, nice joke there. My, my guess is that, you know, at one point the Avatar universe was like uh, like an ice planet and everyone was a waterbender. Uh, and then, like, you know, it went back and, like, the ice went just to the poles and some of the people stayed behind and be, uh, stayed swamp benders instead.
1: Interesting. I don't know if that's actual factual, but I'll take your word uh, for it. I, would, I would go ahead and say there's 0% chance that's real, <laughs> but it, it makes sense. Uh- that's some interesting headcanon lore. Yeah. We'll we'll take it, why not? Yeah, but they so see, then we, they see I'll these continue. giant footprints and they've
0: decided that whatever's at the end of the trail is good enough to eat. Uh, so that's what their purpose is.
1: Which is kind of surprised, crazy. Because so, I understand if you see Appa and you decide he's edible. But how can you tell something's edible? What if this was like, I don't know, like a huge like reptile or something? Like, I get that they see a paw footprint. But how can they tell that this is something edible just from the footprint? I guess maybe they're like master hunters or trackers. They just know it's going to be some tasty meat on the end of this footprint trail. But I was kind of surprised that they were that sure of themselves that it was going to be a tasty meal at the end of this.
0: I mean, these people are mostly. Mostly eating bugs. So I would say that anything that's like, you know, moving around with enough mass to like leave that
1: footprint is probably going to be tastier than a bug. But they don't eat any of these gators, which I feel like in real life they eat gators. So it's kind of weird. Like I know in Australia, people have like crocodile burgers and stuff like that. So.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, it is a funny plot point though that these people are trying to eat Appa. Uh, um, I like
1: that. that <laughs> True. let we'll we'll cut back to Momo and Appa now because Momo lands on like what, what they they give the name for these, but it's like this half crocodile, half fish. What was the term for it again? Yeah, I have it like deeper into my notes. But basically, Momo lands on one of these and then it starts like to try and like to eat him and attack him. And Appa like tromps on it out of self defense and like just basically bites its head and then it like. <laughs> (laughs) coils and runs away (laughs) because we always this episode they just cut back to appa and momo and you get like a brief little snippet of what's going on on their little adventure and then we cut back to the main gang
0: yeah so we see i believe it's a catfish uh crocodile because it has those long whiskers like it's Mm -hmm. a catfish um and yeah it's pretty funny you know like momo obviously would get wrecked by this catfish uh crocodile or alligator i'm not sure the difference myself (laughs) uh, but <laughs> Appa fair. will just body it, like Appa essentially like eats the entire thing in one bite and then just spits it out because it's not even interested. So
1: yeah, so I, I I looked at I looked later in my notes. So these are called cat. At least is what Do calls them at one point. Cat gators, cat gators. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's such a weird term. I don't I don't I don't know if I love that term for it, but yeah, that's what they, that's what they called. No, I think that's uh, like a catfish uh, alligator. That makes sense to me. No, no, yeah, I, it does make sense. But Cat-gator. I feel like they could have used a better they could have used a better term for them. I don't know cat gators kind of like lazy compared to the other terms for animals they have in avatar
0: yeah usually they're just like two animals named back
1: to back so i don't mind this this whole scene kind of felt like some wild nature documentary like i almost felt like i could hear richard attenborough just commenting there, like giving the documentary (laughs) style like the lemur goes in on the on the cat gator but the large sky bison comes in and defends his symbiotic partner, the lemur. So oh, I, I thought this whole thing was just yeah. like straight out of a nature documentary. See,
0: I was expecting like Steve Irwin to pop up and be like, oh, the cat gator is uh, getting attacked by the I giant love sky. I Steve
1: Irwin as a kid. I was genuinely, yeah. Steve Irwin was like the first celebrity death where I was like sad he died because I used to watch Crocodile Hunter so like religiously after school yeah. when I was like grade one and grade two. So rest in peace to Steve Irwin. All my homies hate that stingray for what he did. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that is true. I really, uh, I was also a pretty big fan of that as well. Um, but yeah, so next thing that we see is we cut back to, uh, Katara first, who's walking around, um, you know, trying to find Aang and Sokka and we see like another person in the distance. At first, it's not really clear who it is, but we start to see the blue and recognize it's like another water tribe member. Um, Katara then starts to cry a little bit, uh, and like she's like trying to figure out who it is, and then recognizes that it looks like her mom, and she just has like tears running down her face. She's so excited to get to her, and right as she gets there, and the light hits the uh, like hits where the person was, we realize that it was just a branch. And Katara grass, like Katara, like uh, I guess gasps and then like starts sobbing and then breaks down in tears this is like a really sad moment uh just because like this was heartbreaking honestly yeah but you, continue you can tell how excited Katara is to have this reunion and like even though they're in a swamp and she must know in the back of her mind it's not real you definitely can feel for Katara here what do you think zach
1: yeah because this is her deceased parent who she loves with all her heart and like you just stated it's that's a very good way to put it she knows that deep down in her heart, she knows that this is not real, but she's still, she's clinging on to the hope, like, oh, maybe that is my mother, maybe this is, like, some version of her, and then when she sees that it's not, and it's just a branch, she just collapses and starts crying, and yeah. like I said, it was just truly heartbreaking, honestly. This, was this by far, was the saddest scene of this episode for me. It really brings it to, like, a serious place, and and it, and, it, and it should, like, this was a good episode, because it blends like, the serious and the comedic, and I think here, we very get some, like, good like a very classic moment of just katara sobbing yeah. at the image of her mother
0: the next person we see is sokka and Sokka's you know mm-hmm. trying to get through but he keeps getting stuck in the vines he keeps like getting upset at the vines as if the vines are like doing anything to him on purpose uh but he's just cutting through them he ends up falling and as he lifts up his head he sees ua uh like it as the moon spirit so she's like already in the beam of light rather than mm-hmm. the actual person and he's, like, trying to go to UA. He's, like, trying uh, to understand what's happening. He is actually able to understand, like, oh, no, this is just a swamp cast. And, like, in the moment, yeah, he realized. like
1: doesn't believe his own. He's, like, distrusting what he's seeing. He's, like, he does think it's a key. Sokka's the one who by far thinks it's an actual hallucination. Like, yeah. he's kind of skeptical.
0: Well, then the swamp punishes him for being skeptical because uh, Princess UA says, you didn't protect me, which, like, that's rude. Uh, I think Sokka did everything he could. Like, I don't know what he could have done better. He protects her from any Fire Nation threat. She gives up herself on purpose. So I don't know what he could have done differently.
1: No, I agree. Maybe Jackson Rathbone in the live action movie <laughs> didn't protect the moon spirit that well. But no, Sokka did everything to protect her. And I was kind of surprised because later on in the episode, they talk about like how it's that st- you see stuff from your past in these uh images from the swamp but it's like I wonder why this spirit or like this image of UA says Sokka didn't protect her because that's absolutely not true It also like she kind of startles him because she disappears and then pops up right behind him so he thinks he's like oh in the clear it was just a hallucination and then she pops up and like gives him a little jump scare but yeah I I, I don't know I, f- I felt kind of bad for Sokka here like Katara too I felt like it was heartbreaking but Sokka it's like wow the spirit comes up and is just shaming him when he did do everything in his power to save her
0: yeah I feel like usually spirits don't try to stunt on you especially when it's wrong like usually like uh, if a spirit's like trying to visit you again like uh, especially one that loved you it'd be like a nice moment not like uh, a little bit rude but then we switch to Aang. Uh, Aang's like running around trying to find Katara and Appa and Sokka and all that and then we see off in the distance uh, a little girl in a fully white dress and a flying pig. Uh, The flying pig you know I feel like uh, lots of things say like oh I'll do this when pigs fly but I've never heard an expression about a girl in all white.
1: Yeah, me neither. And we, we see Toph in, or like who we know to be Toph in her like rich bourgeoisie garb, basically not her like usual normal earthbender fit. And then, yeah, Ang starts to chase after her and he's like swinging from vine to vine a la Tarzan. And she's just like giggling and running off into the distance <laughs> and she'll eventually disappear.
0: Yeah, I feel like anyone who can just dust Aang, especially because, like, you know, Aang's an airbender, he's able to, like, zip around as he wants. Yeah,
1: like, there, I'll never forget that scene. I forget, was it the storm where he just, like, zips through, like, the roadrunner? Like, it, there was, like, that one yeah, path yeah. with, like, the two people at the port, and then he just, like, zips right past it. So you're right. Like, anybody who can outrun Aang is, like, extremely fast. So I feel like that to Aang, that must, if somebody can outrun him, he must be able to think, like, oh, maybe that's a spirit. Like, he, he must yeah. be able to realize that no human can actually outrun him see that's what i was about to
0: say is like if someone's outrunning mm-hmm. Aang, like either they're fake or there's some sort of spirit because like if you're not an airbender there's no way you're dusting him he's just too quick so uh he should yeah be or able they're to
1: just him. an extremely powerful bender in their own right yeah. i guess is the only logical conclusion you could come to and then we cut back to du and Cho, and they have found appa and momo and then i, I, I mixed them up so cho is the smaller one right uh yeah then Cho I, is like the yes. fat guy yeah yeah so then cho says oh that that's a limu a limu tastes like possum chicken <laughs> and then cho do is like a limu tastes like possum chicken so du and Cho, you can get the vibe that while they're swamp people i don't know maybe in louisiana there's some smart people who live in the swamp like some intelligent cajuns but you get the vibe that these guys are not two of the brightest bulbs in the box they're two of the dimmest bulbs i'd say yeah
0: they're, they're definitely playing to the stereotype of them being dumb here i do think uh you know understanding that it's called
1: a limu like while he's wrong it's pretty close uh no true 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 he says he saw one of these at, like a fair before he's like kind of close one yeah. letter off. I, I I was I wasn't gonna criticize it for his pronunciation of Limu, yeah. But overall I just said <laughs> they came across as pretty stupid. And you're right. They kind of part of me is like, ah, maybe they lean too far to the stereotype with these guys. Like they could have made them a little bit more nuanced, but then they do kind of correct that with Hugh later on in the episode, so it's not really a big deal. Yeah, no. So then uh, that's true. do oh, continue. Do and Cho, they're basically like, "Oh, we just fixing to eat you," is what Do says, and then (laughs) Appa and Momo start to run away after that. And Cho's like, "Well, why'd you tell them we were going to eat them?" And he's like, "I (laughs) didn't know they were going to (laughs) understand." Which admittedly, I did think this was like a funny line of dialogue.
0: Yeah, no, it is a funny joke because you know Appa, as we know, like probably understands like a bit of language, but it is like funny. Like, there's no way they could have known this. And yeah,
1: uh, yeah, exactly. So like, (laughs) I feel like Do and Cho, like their little spat here, was actually quite common.
0: Yeah, but then we. something really cool. So we see uh I believe it's do stand up at the front of the like canoe slash kayaking that they're out and he starts uh-huh. like spinning his arms and the water is bending behind him similar to is uh as if it was like a speedboat. So essentially they've like created a speedboat with just the water bending uh behind him and each boat has two people on it. One that looks like they're guiding, and the other one that's like powering. And this is pretty cool. Uh, you know, no need for technology when you have these bending
1: people. Here. True. And and are these swamp? I was just calling them dumb, but this is a very innovative technique to use their water bending for. And are these swamp benders? They're the first water benders we see outside of either of the two water tribes. Correct. Uh, yeah, I, I believe they might true. be the only ones too. I feel like, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't want. Don't fact check me on that because I could be. <laughs> <laughs> or don't or don't call me on that because I'm almost certainly wrong. But.
0: Yeah. Uh, these are definitely like the most unique waterbenders we see and I, it's pretty cool to see this waterbending used in like a totally different way
1: um, no I, I agree completely so then we cut back to Aang, Katara and Sokka and they all bump into each other after getting separated and they explain what they all saw to one another and Ang's doesn't add up because Aang saw somebody they had not met prior Katara saw their mother Sokka saw Yue Aang just saw this random little girl that none of them have met so that's yeah. the one that doesn't add up yeah, well, and before that, we see Aang uh, just body Katara, because he's, like, trying to True, catch up to like the spirit. He, like, slams <laughs> into her, yeah.
0: He's trying to catch up to the spirit, and he just, like, destroys her, like,
1: total knockout. Uh, yeah, and she's fine. How, how does Katara get up from you? Because you're absolutely <laughs> right. I, I I skipped over this stupidly, because Aang is chasing the spe- this little girl spirit, and he, like, crashes into Katara like a football, like, Lawrence Taylor running somebody down. Like, he hits her hard. Yeah. And she just gets up, does herself off, and she's fine. Like, like Katara's built different. She's tough because <laughs> I would have been down for the count getting speared
0: like that. Exactly. See, we thought that uh, Aang would be best on a basketball court, but I actually think put him on the football field, make him a linebacker, and you have a pretty good, uh, pretty true. Good like a-
1: Ang would be like good getting sacks like Troy Palomalo. He just like jump over the offensive line before anything <laughs> yep. happens yeah. and just get the quarterback Lock down. Now you're right. Kick, uh, no, hundred percent. Yeah. Aang, I mean, Aang, let's be real. Aang could literally play any sport he wanted in excel so uh
0: that that's is how talented true. he is yeah uh here we have like Sokka say oh no we're just thinking of people uh we just see people that we think of all the time and this was actually like a sad line from Sokka because then like i think we realized that Sokka actually uh like really does feel that uh he misses ua and like we kind of get that connection again i thought that was sweet
1: yeah it was sad and Sokka's like trying to rationalize what happened to him at the same time he's like unsure if it actually was Yue or not and it was sweet from Sokka you can tell because when you see Sokka interact with Yue and Suki you can tell he like truly cares about them as people so yeah it is nice to see the softer
0: side of Sokka here but not to be too soft he's immediately joking that there must be a tea party because Aang says that the girl was in a fancy dress and uh, Sokka seems salty that he didn't get invited to the tea party <laughs>
1: True, and Sokka is also, like, he just saw Yue, yet he's, like, skeptical that Aang has, like, seen this little girl. So, (laughs) I don't know, like, Sokka is sometimes, like, (laughs) Sokka, on on the one hand, is, like, super intelligent sometimes, and the other time, Sokka is just the biggest, like, ignoramus out of the cast, so what can you do? So then Aang also states, he says this, like, gargantuan tree probably called all of them to the middle of the swamp for a reason. Like, Aang states, like, oh... This is central to the whole swamp, this tree, like it called us here. So Ang believes they're brought here by like a higher purpose almost. And then they immediately get attacked by this huge swamp creature that basically, like I said, looks almost like a green no face from Spirited Away is the vibe I got from it.
0: Yeah, definitely has some like uh, Miyazaki Studio Ghibli type vibes here. This giant monster has like this uh, weird wooden carved face and then the rest mm-hmm. of its body is just made up of vines. Uh, and it seems like, uh yeah, it seems like this vine monster is, like, pretty magical. It also comes right after Sokka's, like, there's nothing magical here. And then, of course, we get uh, the vine right
1: afterwards. And Sokka- then, it, like, shoots it to the commercial break. So, yeah, Sokka yeah. with, like, the little red herring right away there.
0: Yeah, Sokka can't say a single, like, definitive statement without immediately being proven
1: wrong. Uh, it's That's pretty funny. <laughs> and the show loves to prove him wrong. I feel monster, like they do that yeah. time and time again.
0: Uh, but yeah, so then we get this thing uh, that's like a man, uh, you know, or a mask is a face, like a giant swamp creature, and this kind of also looks like Man Thing from the Marvel comics. Do you know what I'm talking about, Zach? No, but I'll here. I'll give it a quick Google because I'm kind of
1: curious now. Man Thing, I've never heard of this.
0: So Man Thing is like this, uh, just giant monster. I believe it's like a an underwater monster.
1: Oh, kind of, I thought the Swamp Thing was also... Is that a comic as well? Because that's what it kind of looks like. Was there a Swamp Thing by, like, the guy who wrote Watchmen? I feel like there was another comic that looked very similar to the... Uh, yeah, but yeah. No, you're right. Man-Thing is a good comparison because that is kind of... Man-Thing's kind of just a more horrifying version of the Swamp Creature we get in Avatar.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is, like, the PG-13 version where, like, yes. Man-Thing's actually... Like, this is actually, like, a horror episode rather than just, like, a little eerie. Uh, but one one funny thing about Man-Thing, so... There are some comics that are like regular size and then Marvel had a line of comics that were giant sized. And so there's one comic uh, that Man-Thing was starring in and the title reads Giant-Sized Man-Thing, which I always thought was funny (laughs) as an
1: adolescent. I laughed so (laughs) much. Some innuendo of a title there. No, I did not know any of that. (laughs) I'm glad to have you as like the resident Marvel expert here because I can just like pick your brain about anything Marvel like comic related and stuff like that. So that works out. Hey, I'm just glad that being a nerd in
0: as like a child (laughs) is paying off, you know, watching Avatar over and over has paid off and let us do this. Now, uh, reading the Marvel comics lets me make all these weird references. I'd say it's gone pretty well.
1: True, true. Well, we can get back to this fight between Team Avatar and the Swamp Creature because, like I was saying at the top of the show, there's some really innovative techniques that they use here. So first, Katara like surfed the so the Swamp Thing like captures Sokka, and then Katara like surfs at the beast and hits it with like a pinpoint water blast. And even I haven't seen Katara do something like this where she's able to like aim the blast directly at a beast, like a small like pinpoint shot of water. And then she, later on, she freezes her breath, and then when Sokka's captured she like freezes around him with like some ice cold breath and then shoots a blast of water at Sokka to free him from the confines of the beast and I was like damn Like these are all water bending techniques we have not seen before prior to this so yeah. I was very impressed with what she was doing
0: yeah so we, I think we start out with Aang you know with some more slicing uh you know classic Aang Aang loves the slices uh but then we see, yeah, Katara here really shows some creativity. You know, Sokka ends up doing pretty much nothing in this fight after immediately getting captured.
1: <laughs> True, but I mean what can Sokka do though? It's like a battle of it's Bender I mean, versus yeah. Bender. He can't provide so far. But you're right, Sokka does nothing, and I feel kind of bad for him. He does nothing except get get captured essentially.
0: Over and over. Like uh Sokka like gets captured and then he gets his <laughs> legs stuck again. Like this he just cannot do anything.
1: True, we can't catch or break. Katara
0: here here really is the MVP. As she's slicing things, we see like some sort of regenerative properties and uh, like the swamp monster just keeps making itself whole again. Uh, So even as Katara sending waves or slices, it's like keeps coming back and it seems like an impossible thing to beat. And I really do think it's like a pretty cool fight here.
1: No, yeah, 100% because we've seen Aang do numerous slices. We've seen, we've seen him shoot like cysts of air at people. But Katara, I've never seen this technique where she's like, she's creating these like slices of water essentially for lack of a better term and she's firing them at this swamp bender and they're like super thin slices of water and she's just shooting them rapid fire and I like yeah I guess she learned from like air airbending slices she just picked up this tool to have in her toolbox because this is a really u- unique technique to have and it works because she's able to she's able to slash away at it and even with the regenerative properties they're able to see there's a bender yeah. behind the vines yeah. thanks to Katara's technique. Here.
0: Right, right. Before we get that, we get Appa being chased by all of the yes. the swamp folk. Uh, and then we see Momo start throwing supplies out there. <laughs> yeah, Momo's, like, chucking T-shirts
1: and stuff. And then yeah. Joe's like, how does a limo have a shirt?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Momo thinks that they're in, like, uh, some random NBA game throwing some shirts into the audience. Uh, <laughs> just throwing everything on the back. And then right after that, uh, Momo just gets, uh, like, hit off or something. Uh, some, like, branch hits him. And uh, then Tho's able to capture him. And, uh, yeah. Oppa's Appa, by himself there, but then we go back, and yeah, as as you said before, we see Katara just sending a ton of water slices faster than the guy can redo him. The guy's not yes. able to, you know, really uh regenerate the plants around him fast enough and they're able to see someone's in there. Then Katara sends a massive slice of water, cuts the mask off, uh, takes the top off of the seaweed monster, the entire thing falls apart,
1: and it looks like they have some they have some headway here. Uh, Yeah, no, they do. And then they see this old man behind the vines and he explains that he's just protecting the swamp from people who want to hurt it like Sokka. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There there is a
0: bit of a weird thing because Aang like sort of calls out and says like, why did you call us here if you wanted to kill us? And that's when the fight ends. This fight ends like pretty abruptly. Like it seems Mm -hmm. like it ends just because like Aang screams something out. And then, uh, you know, the person who is inside the whole time is like, I didn't call you here as if like that's like a perfect thing, a uh, perfect reason to like stop a fight.
1: Well, I, I think he kind of when he says that, when Aang says that the guy, Hugh, behind the vines kind of realizes like, OK, maybe they're not enemies is what he's saying. So,
0: yeah, I mean, that's fair. But I think if I'm like Team Avatar, I'm still going to like freeze him or something.
1: <laughs> true, because true, you are right that it it ends abruptly. But I think they kind of realize like, oh, they're kind of, both sides kind of realize they're fighting for no reason. So. So they chose that point in time to stop the fight. And Sokka here feels really vindicated. Uh, Sokka's like, see,
0: there's no monster. Everything's normal. It's just someone defending his house. Like, totally good here. But Sokka's like, uh, Sokka's way off. Immediately, he's disproven. Who's saying, like, uh, no, this is mystical. Like, I reached enlightenment under this tree. Another nice little uh, shout out to the Buddha who also reaches enlightenment under a tree, I believe. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's like the second time in, like, four or five episodes where... There's been a nice reference there. Um, but yeah, so as, as uh, he describes, he says that the whole swamp is just one giant tree. The branches are, uh, you know, across the entire swamp,
1: just one big living organism. Uh, yeah, this old man gives Hugh, he gives quite an inspirational speech here. Honestly, I actually enjoyed a lot of the stuff he was saying. I thought this was very deep for a children's show. Again, reminiscent of the speech between the mechanist and Aang, because they're basically picking his brain. And at one point, we don't have to go through the whole speech, but at one point he says, time is an illusion. And so is death. Because Aang was thinking, he's like, oh, well, uh, he, he thinks he knows how to find this person, but he's not sure how. And then once Hugh says that, he's like, Time is an illusion, so it's someone I'll meet in the future. So, with this statement, Aang is able to figure out – like, Aang is able to put meaning to the vision he saw in the forest, which was really cool.
0: Yeah, I I think that this guy is, like, underrated uh, in terms of his enlightenment. Like, he really does have a lot of uh, pretty interesting things that he's saying here. Uh, Like, my favorite statement that he says is, we're all living together, even if most folks don't act like it. We all have the same roots, and we're all branches of the same tree. And you know what? Like, this is a bit of a contrived metaphor with a whole tree thing, but that's right. Uh I wish more people acted like
1: it. That no, really- I agree. And... and, and- no. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, you're 100% correct, because well, when you see this swamp-bending man, say he's reached enlightenment under the tree, initially, when I first saw that, I took that with a grain of salt, but then afterwards, once I hear him give this impassioned speech, I'm like, wow, I can see how this man reached enlightenment underneath this tree, Allah the Buddha. Because, yeah, I, th- I thought this guy was a little underrated of a character, honestly, <laughs> especially yeah. compared to, like, do and show, this guy seemed a lot more intelligent and with it than those two. yeah.
0: I agree, like, uh, he seems pretty coherent. Uh, he actually seems like he probably came from somewhere else and, like, ended up here rather than, like, being one of the swamp people to start
1: because he seems like very enlightened. Like, it seems like you know what I'm kind of surprised by. I'm kind of surprised Hugh is not a member of the White Lotus, actually. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I'm surprised that they didn't shoehorn him into that as well because that's I fair. think he would have been a fa- like, I mean, he's more enlightened here than Paku was. And in- that's true. <laughs> in the later half of season one, yeah, that's very because- true. Uh,
0: <laughs> you know, in terms of just like, uh, in terms of how woke he is, like Hugh's
1: putting Paku to shame. Yeah, no, exactly. But, I mean, what can you do? And then we cut back to Hugh's lesser intelligent tribes (laughs) folk because they had this little ditty while they're trying to capture Appa and uh, Momo, which I actually liked. I like their little song here. It's like, sat my lines by the riverbed, caught two fish and I killed them dead. Got them, got them and I toss the heads in the water to keep them cat gators fed. Like, I actually, I'll be honest, I like the little internal rhyme there. I didn't mind it. It's like, now maybe it's not as good as a tunnel song, but it was all right. Yeah, this this song is good.
0: You know, I would definitely put this song above, above the, the, yeah. the Girls from Bossing Say song. So, this yes. is at least the best song in the episode. Uh, I'd feel, uh, yeah, that's not like a huge statement. I, I still think that, the, uh, <laughs> that there are better songs in the Avatar universe. But no, definitely. This one's definitely. at least fun. Uh, Yeah. And so Aang is able to track down where Appa is. He uses the energy from the tree. He's able to take it and he essentially uh, like tracks down where Appa is by looking at all the different branches. It's a pretty cool use of uh, the sort of like bending spiritual power that Aang has. And he goes and stops him. He interrupts the song. Uh, that these two people are singing. Maybe there's a second verse, Zach, that would have made it even better. Um, <laughs> but they start attacking Maybe. each other. Uh, Aang is sending us some air. Um, then the swamp benders start sending some water towards them and Katara pushes it back. And Katara realizes like, oh, hey, you guys are water benders. Um, and then as soon yeah, as, that- as soon as he does, they're like, oh, let's stop fighting. Another really abrupt end to the fight.
1: It's pretty funny because the Cho I think he's or do is like, that means we're kin and Qatar just looks disgusted by the fact that she may be related to this like swamp bending man. Yeah, I feel like
0: Sokka would actually be pretty excited to be uh to be related to these people. I feel like Sokka could could get along with him.
1: I mean, kind of, we, we cut back to week. So we cut and they're like all eating around this fire, having a meal, all buddy buddy. And then Sokka is explaining, it's like, why do you guys want to eat Appa if you have all these like cat gators around? And then Dude's like, you want me to eat old Slim? He's like a member of the family. <laughs> Which I thought was a pretty funny joke there, admittedly, yeah. that they don't eat the cat gators because they're just like domesticated. Yeah. I mean, you know, no one would think to eat the, uh, like, eat a dog. So maybe. The cat no, true, true. The no, equivalent. yeah, no, I and I could see that. I was like, you know what? I actually respect Do and Show for not eating their pet cat gator here.
0: So Yeah, I agree. Uh one thing that I don't think is a good joke is that so do's like, how do you like the possum chicken? And Sokka's like, tastes like Arctic hen. And this is just like a continuation of the joke, like everything tastes like chicken. I don't know. Yeah. Like that joke's not that funny to me. Like
1: maybe I'm missing something here. But that that was a real swing and miss. I also don't think a lot of uh, stuff tastes like chicken or not as much as people say it does. I think that's just a dumb thing to state in general. I feel like very few things like – because you hear that about like some random like exotic meats. It's like, oh, it kind of tastes like chicken. I don't know. I think that's a – yeah, that's a catch-all way to describe something that is never necessarily true, See, which I don't like. Because I think a lot of meats have very unique flavors. Yeah, like, th- this very is, few uh, things actually taste like chicken.
0: Yeah, this is like kind of like a, a joke that we, uh, my friend group has. Is that anytime someone says a new board game, we're always like, oh, is it kind of like Risk? Uh, and, and the joke is like every game is kind of like risk in a way. And so like even wor- word games like Bananagrams or like Scrabble that has nothing to do with risk. As soon as someone starts explaining it, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, the rules. So it's kind of like risk. Uh, and yeah, so it's the same <laughs> That's way. It's a pretty that, funny like, running joke to have. Yeah, same way like everything tastes like chicken. All board games are kind of like risk. They say possum chicken, though, and I don't, do we ever see any possum chickens in Avatar? I don't think so. Uh, No, I don't I think wonder. so. I mean, we see, you know, one that Sock is eating, but I don't think we actually see it in the flesh
1: yeah and then Sokka's like at one point he's talking to Katara and he's like well I'm just eating a giant bug and Sokka has this huge like disgusting this is kind of like a throwaway joke but I do want to stop down and talk about it because Sokka like pulls up this huge bug and then just takes like a bite out of the bug's ass essentially and that's just disgusting and like the bug what's crazy about it is like it doesn't even look cooked it looks like Sokka's just like eating the bug raw it reminded me of like the bugs that they're eating like Lion King except a little yeah. less slimy
0: yeah my guess is that this is supposed to be like the crawfish uh that like the equivalent of crawfish in the universe because like just like uh like cajun people in the south will like steam crawfish so they like they kind of look like they're just their regular things and then people like you know do gross things like uh eat their body and like i don't know nothing worth talking about on the podcast but you know people will eat those as well uh just like they're eating the bug one thing another joke that i thought was funny is uh they're talking about the south pole with the swamp vendors yep. and they're like oh the swamp pole is there a good swamp or sorry the, not the swamp pole the south pole is there a good <laughs> swamp down there and guitar is like no it's ice and snow and they're like oh yeah that makes sense that that's why you left that that makes sense
1: yeah they're like what there's no swamp there of course you left yeah. <laughs> which is pretty funny because like well i don't know how they, i guess you guys have never seen a map before they've just been so confined to their swamp they haven't seen the whole world yeah maybe that's why who didn't get the invitation to
0: the uh white lotus is that they tried to send him an invitation but there's no like postal zip code there and it got lost in the mail
1: yeah no because and you know what's weird about hugh we didn't talk about this he's a weirdly anglicized name compared to everybody else in the show You know what I mean? Like, he's the only person who just has, like, a normal run of the mill. Like, Hugh, everyone else, like, Zuko, Aang, they're all, like, Asiatic in some way or form, or, like, Whereas he's the only one with just a normal, like, cocky. I guess him and Tom Tom are the two that I could think of <laughs> well, off the top of we, my head. But Tom Tom's just a horrible name in general, which we eviscerate. <laughs> See, actually, Zach, we got
0: uh, we got messages from all 1,600 Tom Toms that are in the U.S. Oh, saying really?
1: uh To not slander Were they just putting me on blast? Were yeah. they just like, effing Zach, he doesn't exactly, respect yeah. the Tom Yeah, they,
0: uh, they actually tweeted me, slid in my DMs. They said, uh, we won't stand for this uh, Tom Tom slander. So now we're gonna get the Hughes writing in. My uh, my dad's middle name is Hughes, so he might have to join the class action lawsuit against you.
1: <laughs> Great. You know, I do I do like people named Hughes. Like Hugh is Jimmy Neutron's dad. I think yeah. he's one of the funnier cartoon characters, so I do like most Hughes I meet. But yeah, it's just it's a weird name relative to all the other people's names in um avatar that we yeah, see yeah it, it could console. actually
0: just be that uh like this is uh cuz i don't actually think it's spelled like hue
1: is uh like h u g h i think when i looked it up it was oh, spelled a bit differently oh it could be like h u e in, in my netflix subtitles it was spelled h u g h but netflix mm. subtitles are notoriously wrong yeah. so no that's a very good point that i didn't even think of it could be like h u e or something like that exactly yeah
0: so maybe maybe it's uh like not as caucasian as we think
1: it is so No, you know, you're definitely right. So we cut back to the, this final scene of the episode, we actually cut back to Zuko as the blue spirit and he is mugging the man who made Iroh dance for change. So Zuko held on to this grudge the whole day and decided to get his revenge in the dark of the night. Yeah, I mean talk about a fight ending abruptly. Uh this
0: guy's like who's there and then the next thing you know he's like taken down his swords are now in Zuko's hands and he's just on the ground helpless. Uh that's that's a fight that really got and cut it, short. I,
1: no, it did, but I kind of feel like this guy deserved it. Oh, yeah. Know, like if you're making a homeless person dance for change, which I didn't talk about at the top of the episode, but the fact that he was doing that like, what a scummy person. Like, I was actually happy Zuko mugged him. Like, I didn't think <laughs> Zuko should have taken. No, for real. Like, Zuko shouldn't have taken the ostrich horse. That was, like, reprehensible. And, like, shame on Zuko for that. But Zuko mugging this man, yeah. This guy deserved to be mugged. He's scum. So, so, then, I, 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 I. so
0: then, Zach, we said, uh, you know, it's okay to steal from pirates. I guess the next question is, is it okay to rob a mean person?
1: yeah it is if if a person like true if a person well it depends like there's varying stages of mean but if a person is a type of if this person is a type of dude who's gonna make homeless people dance for money like i don't know i feel like you are so mean at that point that i don't feel bad that somebody would mug all
0: right all right you know i think we're gonna have to agree to disagree here Uh, no
1: that's fair that's fair we could put another twitter poll to this too so (laughs) i mean we could i mean i I, and i may be wrong because this is just my opinion honestly like we can agree to to disagree but i i do believe that this guy was just like scummy enough where i didn't feel bad why yeah. when you saw this final scene where you're like oh my heart aches for this man who made <laughs> our no, own no. dance at the top of the episode i i, I know
0: you weren't like I, that just i just i wasn't that much on his side but i, I was know, just kind of thinking like you know why why steal from this guy
1: you know obviously stealing the ostrich hordes is like a terrible decision no, no and, no, so and, and you're right you're right it probably bad. is wrong to steal from this man i'm just i i i'm an a-hole myself just like the podcast you were just on and i believe it's okay to steal from this man <laughs> all right well uh, there you go that
0: is uh that is our episode, you know, summarized nicely with uh, Zach's confession that he's an a-hole.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, the people who listeners every week just get more insight into my psyche as a person. I bet everybody listening just thinks like less and less of me as the episodes go
0: Okay, on, well, I oh, admitted on this podcast that I used to torture my sister with a dog whistle. So, I think...
1: <laughs> true, true. I think at least true. you're in good company, Zach. Uh, true, true, true. Uh, yeah, but overall, I like this episode, especially like, I kind of forget, I remember the swamp fight. Like, I remember yes. it joined that fight when I wor- first watched it and I enjoyed it on this rewatch, but I kind of forgot about Hugh's whole inspirational speech at the end, which really tied up the episode overall as a whole and just did a great job putting a bow on the whole thing. And that was just kind of a pleasant surprise on this rewatch.
0: Yeah, it's it's a nice sentiment. You know, we get the connection mm-hmm. from last episode with Boomy saying, listen to the earth. We get the introduction mm-hmm. of Toph, although it's obviously not like Very Toph brief. as we come yeah. to know it, and it is extremely brief. Uh, but I think this is a good episode. You know, we, uh, mm-hmm. I'm actually really surprised with the advice that we got from, uh, Hugh. And I'm, I think the more I think about it, the
1: more I like the episode no same same yeah and and this is an episode that I kind of went in I was like yeah, it's the swamp I was like kind of went in with low expectations almost but no I, I very much enjoyed this episode overall the fight was great it entertained me a lot more than the chase from last week I really enjoyed the innovative techniques that both Egg and Katara were using but especially Katara poor Sokka does not have a good showing this fight but that's the nature of being the only non-bender in the group so yep. sometimes that happens in Sokka we're just used to it at this point but overall yeah great episode yeah. Do you have do is this where we should rate it right now?
0: Uh yeah, let's go ahead and jump into the ratings. As always, you can give your rating of the episode uh via either tweeting at us or uh, sending it via email, avatar at postshowrecaps.com. We rank every episode between zero and four cabbages. Uh let's start off with the listeners this week, Zach, because I think that they're a little bit more down on the episode than we're gonna be. The listeners gave us mm-hmm. a 2.82
1: why and i'm surprised because i saw like i saw lydia and a couple of others were down on it and that kind of shocked me like 2.8 is pretty low i feel like like for reference i gave bot a 2.4 <laughs> which would in hindsight i should have given a zero but i gave it a 2.4 and that was an episode that i pretty i did not like so like 2.4 this is very low like i'm because for me i have this at a 3.5 but even like a 3.1 or a 3.2 would be like respectable for me like 2.8. That's, that's kind of too low. I don't know yeah. if I agree with the listeners on that. Did, that's
0: just way too We did low have some people that were pretty high on it. You know, we had Daniel, uh, with a 3.75. And I think, I think. Oh, yeah. So, so it just, it just averaged out to 2.8. Yeah. yeah. So, so like we, we actually did have like a lot of variation, uh, this week on this score. So I think mm-hmm. it's interesting actually that, you know, this episode like seems to be. A bit hit or miss, you know. We had some people in the Facebook thread saying uh, that this episode's overrated. Some people saying it's never highly rated. True, at I- all- everyone's
1: got their like own mm-hmm. succinct opinion on this episode, so it's very interesting exactly. how different people get different things from this episode. But yeah, my overall rating is a three point five out of four for this episode. What about yourself, Jacob? Yeah,
0: you know, I'm I'm gonna split the difference between the listeners and Youzak. I'm in a three point one. Uh, it's like a B plus mm-hmm. episode, uh, or I mm-hmm. guess actually that'd be like a C plus. Uh, it's like, it's pretty good. You know, I think it does the job. It has interesting characters. We get the swamp people. That's fun. We get an introduction to Toph. That's cool. But it doesn't do anything really special for me. And I feel like mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh it's just another one of the like generic good, but not fantastic Avatar episodes. That's fair. That's fair. Well, that uh,
1: yeah. I, I kind of am uh, a little too high on some episodes, honestly. But you know what? Three point five. I'll stick with.
0: Hey, it. at least like. you like the show. Uh, that'd be bad if we were. True. Podcasting. I mean, that's
1: why I podcast about yeah. it. <laughs> <I like. laughs> exactly. Uh, but you're right. No, it's it's good to be passionate yeah. about the show.
0: That leaves the uh, this week's episode at the number of pi, actually uh, three point one four. So would there you, you look go. at that? Yeah. Zach, uh, one like it, though? random thought that comes to mind is I actually memorized a ton of digits of pi because uh, in like the fifth grade or something, we had a competition that whoever named did the you most. I, I did win. Whoever named oh, the most. Nice. Nice flex. Our, our math teacher would uh, give them some pi. So, I sat there and I memorized like 40 digits or something and no one else really tried.
1: <laughs> at least you're honest no one else really tried that's pretty funny i don't were well, you gonna ask me how many digits of pie i know because the answer is like i was none i was I, about I, to ask. at one at one point maybe i knew 10 but honestly i was never the biggest math person like people see my glasses and flatter me they assume i'm a lot smarter than i am but math was never my strong suit and i never even though i could memorize stuff but i think at one point i had like the first 10 digits memorized now i don't know a single one was it like 3.142 mm. i know there's a two there Three point one four. It's, One five is uh, the oh no! Two. There we go. So I was completely wrong. Not even close. There's also, <laughs> there
0: you go. There's also a song that's the first hundred digits of pi, sung to some. Uh, it's some piece of classical music. Uh, I don't want to say oh, it incorrectly in case I get dragged for getting it wrong. Uh, but that that is the first hundred digits of pi, and I think uh, you know, I think I can memorize that again and memorize them all.
1: No, you know, and if I sat down, could I memorize the digits of pi? Sure. Honestly, I think I could. But why? Like, that's what I always thought to myself. Like, <laughs> at least you got pie as a reward. So you had, like, a reason to memorize it. But when we were kids and there were the people, like, in my school flexing, like, oh, well, I know all the digits of pi. So like, who cares? This no, is mostly useless information. No, exactly. But this guy, or like, this guy's like, I know 40 digits of Pi water because there was a nerdy kid in my class bragged about it. And then also on the show Kid Nation, I think, Mm. some other kid was bragging about, because I was listening to that podcast about Kid Nation, and some kid was bragging about knowing all the digits of Pi. It's like, okay, you're cool. You know all the digits of Pi. Like, what a loser. (laughs) If you're bragging about knowing, which you were not doing, but, and I'm just saying children who did in the past, like. And those are the biggest losers. Like maybe they grew up to be rich, successful people, but they're still losers at heart. Okay. Well, thank goodness I wasn't bragging about it. I was. Uh, <laughs> I would get raked
0: over the goals. A brutal assessment here. But.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I don't. I don't know. Every, t- every time we go deeper to these podcasts, I just have like hotter and hotter takes. Like I know, <laughs> I Zach. Know. I think maybe you know? one
0: week, what we should do is we should like uh, pretend to talk about the podcast and then start it off like an hour in. Uh, So that, like, you start just flaming hot with these takes. uh.
1: Yeah, I, I know. I feel like people are... I feel like, honestly... Sometimes I say something. I'm like, wow. I don't know if a lot of people agree with that, but nobody. Usually, there's not a lot of pushback to the outlandish stuff I say. <laughs> okay. <So> who knows? <laughs> New
0: challenge. I would like for you to say something so ridiculous that it doesn't like. I don't catch it as ridiculous, but someone writes well, yeah, in and is like, cra- "That's wrong." Because
1: you you, me and you, if like when you say something ridiculous and I say something ridiculous, we'll check each other. We'll sure. be like, "Hold on a sec." I don't know if I agree with that, but the listeners never really check us like the way we check each other. See,
0: but yeah. I-, I want for you to convince me of something so ridiculous that someone has to write in and be like, "Please don't believe." That that is just incorrect. <laughs> You're wrong. Like, please I'll no.
1: try. I'll try. I don't know if I'm that intelligent or Machiavellian to do something like that, but I'll try. Why not? I One think little task fun we to can me. have. Uh, there you so go. So should we move on to our battle of the battle ranking right let's now? Let's do it. Our battle of the battle, <laughs> we've battle we've rankings. Got, we've got a little far off topic. But hey, we're actually honestly good time. Uh, we're moving a little faster than we normally do. So we have enough time to go off topic for a little bit. Why not? Yeah,
0: you know, uh the the true people in Team Avatar podcasting, uh I'm sure they won't mind if we're uh we're a little off topic. So
1: uh, yeah, I actually I asked a couple of listeners about that once upon a time and they said they didn't necessarily mind, so that worked out. There you go.
0: Well, uh, now we're gonna get back on topic with the Battle of the Battle rankings, just like the episode rankings, but for the battles, I only really wanna rank the one battle. Uh, yes,
1: okay. I agree. There is no really other battle to rank besides the Team Avatar versus the Swamp Monster. No point ranking, uh, Appa and Momo versus the Swamp. There's not really any other fights to rank, so. Alright. Well, so what do you have for this, um, What's your ranking here, Jacob? So, my ranking for this battle is a
0: 3.3. And I think that, uh, you know, this is a battle that I know quite well. Uh, This is one that, like, I think about um, sometimes when I'm thinking about, like, cool fights. Uh, And I think that the use of Katara's, like, uh, I guess, creative water bending, the breathing and making something turn to ice, the slashes of water are both really cool. But the fact that it ends so abruptly takes it down just a notch for me. Uh, I think that the episode could have been a little bit better if it had like a better, uh, a more satisfying conclusion to the fight. And that would have made me like the fight even more.
1: Interesting, because I didn't necessarily mind the ending of the fight much, because as we come to know Hugh, we learn he's kind of a pacifist, just like Aang, and he's protecting the forest. So I could kind of see why he's like, okay, let's stop the fight now. He kind of realized they were not threats to the forest and just. Stop being combative. So I didn't necessarily mind that. And because, like you said, this was a memorable fight even prior to... uh, I watched Avatar, like, many years ago. And Like, I've rewatched it a bunch, but this is a fight that I still remember compared to a lot of fights that we have watched in this rewatch. I'm like, "Ah, I barely even remembered that. So for that reason and the innovative water bending from Katara, I have this at a 3.6, actually. Okay. Even higher than my uh, ranking of the episode. The reason being is, like, any fight that, like, sticks with me after all these years, I have ranked very highly. And three point six, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm, that's the score I have for it out of four. You know, I enjoyed this fight a lot.
0: I think that makes sense. That puts the fight at a three point four five, and I think that's like a, about where, uh, like, I think I'm comfortable at being. I have it a little bit mm-hmm. lower, but you know, not by a ton. No,
1: that's fine. No, yeah, no, that three point three is a fair rating
0: for the fight as well. So no, I think uh, Daniel also wrote in. He said that uh, he thought very similar to me that like his only complaint about this episode is that the fight between the trio and the vine monster ends in a rather inexplicably inexplicable. Ab- uh, abrupt fashion, so I do think that uh, like this is something that you know I'm not at least a, a crazy person here, but I agree. Like the the fight is cool enough to stand up on its own.
1: Um, yeah there we go so that's our fight ranking and if you also want to rank us on apple music you can do that at postshowrecaps.com slash atla we love those five star reviews and uh yeah they help us a lot so send those in yeah that
0: that's a good plug slam those five stars or you know what you can slam whatever star you think we deserve but uh i just think we deserve five how about you, Zach?
1: True. Yeah. yeah, No, I agree. I'm, I'm completely very arrogant <laughs> to that regard. I don't deserve five stars in anything in life, but for this podcast with my good friend, Jacob, this definitely deserves five stars. I'll take it, Zach. Uh, now we're going
0: to jump into our listener feedback, a bit of a full listener feedback, so I'm excited to get into True. this. We have uh, lots of people writing in. We always appreciate that. Just as a reminder, you can always write into avatar at poshorecaps.com or tweet at us at poshorecaps, and we'll get your feedback. Uh, yeah, we have lots of places to start, so let's just jump right in. Uh, let's. Do you want to start
1: with Daniel since we just referenced what he was talking about? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so Daniel Daniel Strunk he's written in a bunch he says sorry for his absence he loved the episode it's is it the most unique episode we have experienced yet he says it mixes elements of horror environmental spiritualism in a cool way and it reminded him of Miyazaki and then also the swamp of Dagobah and uh, Jacob do you um do you know about the swamp of Dagobah what is that actually oh, it's, uh, uh, that it's the uh, place that Yoda is in Star Wars oh that's what it is yeah I'm like the worst star wars lore person ever <laughs> that makes so much sense because yeah, yeah, it yeah. actually did does seem very similar to it, and yeah he says his only complaint was the fight ending in inexplicably abrupt fashion and he also says he has an economics background so whenever jacob gets into economics on the podcast he totally supports that however tangential hey. so shout out daniel a consistent feedback writer yeah and uh, yeah thank you hey, Daniel uh, for that a fellow economics background i love it uh that's
0: also my background as well so uh Glad to see you there. Um, but yeah, so I'm actually surprised, Zach,
1: that you didn't know that Dagobah was a Star Wars thing. Like, I feel I like co- I forgot. I forgot the ter- like. I now that you mention it, it's like, oh, it's from Star. And I was like, where is this Dagobah thing from? Even though know, you know, it's funny. I just watched like some of the Star Wars like two weeks ago. So <laughs> I should have nice. known that, but I'm I don't know much about Star Wars. I'm like the biggest Star Wars casual out there. Gotcha, so forgive gotcha. me. Yeah, that, that's one of the
0: ones that always got punned. It's like uh, like the Star Wars Valentine Day cards are always like, oh, not a Dagobah where I don't think of you.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see exactly how uh, they would do that.
0: Anyway, to answer Daniel's question, I do think this is one of the most unique episodes we've seen. Uh I think that this and the episode where Aang is in the spirit world are, like, up there in terms of uniqueness. Uh I think that this is, like, pretty cool because it does stay, like, in the, I guess, real world, as real as uh, Avatar can be. But it does have, like, all of these weird things happening. And I think that it's, like, kind of cool that we get... You know the introduction of Toph in this unique way, uh, I think I really appreciate the fact that Hugh has this like really deep uh, statement that he has, and I think that yeah I'm a big fan of um, of like the uniqueness aspect of this episode. What about you, Zach?
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with what Daniel's saying, and I too like the environmental environmental spiritualism as well. And I like them teaching you all about that. So, yeah, I enjoyed everything that this episode incorporated. Yeah, also. And yeah, I agree with that. D- Daniel scores the closest to mine out of all the feedback. Yeah. So I co everything he says pretty much. Also, uh, it is true that trees can, like, communicate with each other
0: through their roots. So, like, while all trees are not necessarily, like, one tree, like, trees can often communicate about, like, where food and stuff is. I listened to some podcast about that, and it, like, blew my mind, so. Anyway,
1: yeah, a lot of and it's not even just trees. Apparently, I, I was watching this thing on elephants, and elephants can communicate silently, but across like cities, and then Whoa. we convene. Chester, Chester's was an animal. empty town, and like the elephants all took separate routes, but then the matriarchal elephant was like able to communicate to all the elephants everywhere through like vibrations that humans can't hear and i was like damn i didn't know elephants could just like talk to each other across like miles that's pretty insane yeah that's uh so, yeah, that's the more crazy. you know um wow yeah so I- we just should we jump into navi's feedback right yeah here? let's let's do it yeah navi writes in saying hi to both of us shout out fifth wheel navi by the way we'll get her on the podcast eventually yeah. so how about we gotta hit her up Maybe we'll get her for one of these upcoming episodes, but Navi says hi. She says, I hope the new year's treating both of us well. And her question for us is, who are our MVPs for the episode and why are they the swamp tribe people? And also to this, to date this email, which avatar character would take part in the GameStop short stock fiasco? Would they be a hedge fund investor or a random Redditor? Thanks and take care, Navi.
0: Yeah, so uh, I I like the first question. Uh, I'll take that one first. Uh, I definitely think that the Swamp Tribe is not going to be the MVP. I'm going to go with Katara on this one. Uh, you know, she frees Sokka. She uses some creative water bending. That's going to be my MVP for the episode. With the uh, the Swamp Tribe people, maybe maybe being like most improved. Like I wouldn't expect them to be as good as they are, or like sneaky value. Uh, but definitely not like the MVP. What about you?
1: Sir? Yeah, I think guitar is the MVP, and second in that would be Hugh for me, honestly. Yeah. And then, but yeah, so the, that's the order I would have it in. But I kind of, I like Navi's second question a lot because um, <laughs> which avatar character would take part in the GameStop short stock fiasco? And uh, Jacob, do you have an opinion on this? Because I have mine. I wonder if we're going to have the same person, but let's see. So I'm trying to think of a few people.
0: I think, uh, you know, the Cabbage Man is definitely uh, on the side of the hedge funds. The Cabbage Man's complaining uh, that all of these people on Reddit are pumping up the stock and, you know, ruining the
1: sacredness of short selling. Uh, in terms of interest i don't know if i'd have the cabbage man. like for me the person who i slotted i have a friend god bless his soul i'll leave him nameless but he's never really invested in stocks and he's always like oh but we have to this game stop stuff we're gonna it's gonna shoot up to five thousand. it's gonna make so much money and i feel like soccer would be one of those persons <laughs> he'd be soccer soccer would be one of those people he'd be a random redditor just like following the trends and like dumping his money onto it so that's where i could kind of see like soccer would definitely be that person for me see personally. i
0: i kind of thought that like uh King Boomy would be like Shameth who like comes in a little bit later and is like Hyping it up and like on the side of the Redditors, uh, just
1: like I feel, I feel like King Boomer. yeah, he would do that. He would like buy in at like 300 or something, like buy in <laughs> super late and like lose all his money, but like still be confident in his investment nonetheless. Or like, so I think he would not care. See, like-, like, he'd throw away money and be no, like, like, yeah, just yeah, laughing yeah That's my point. Yeah, exactly. Like, he would buy in late and then not care still exactly. as he like loses millions. <laughs> so that's pretty accurate. But yeah, there's a lot of honestly cool avatar characters. I feel like. I wonder if Zuko... I feel like Zuko's too risk-adverse to invest in something like GME, I feel Oh, like. for sure. Uh, yeah, I feel, yeah. I feel I like... Because I think, like, yeah. Zuko and Iroh I, I really just wouldn't care. I don't think he would care to invest. He doesn't really care for the material. Zuko also, I don't think, would be into it. I don't know. Is there any other character you think would just be either on the side of the hedge funds or the average Reddit investor? Well, Azula's, like, the classic person who's like, oh, well, daddy's money will
0: take care of it. Like, definitely, if she was in the 21st century, her dad runs, like, some nice hedge fund and you know she's saying like oh the poor hedge fund managers so I'd say that that's where
1: she is oh true 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 Yazula would be like completely eviscerating all these eat the rich folks online exactly
0: yeah, so there we go. That's our take on uh GME. You know, we, it's uh such a big story that we had to
1: mention it uh this week. True, true, true. I mean, <laughs> because you work at economics, I don't know if you give your full opinion, but we talk a little bit about <laughs> offline. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. Because I'm so like, I don't know anything about stocks. And I was telling Jacob prior to the show that with GME, there were people who got in and like a 100 or I knew people like that. And I felt like I, by that point, I was already way too late. So I just, I'm already looking towards the next thing. Yeah. So sadly, so I feel like I missed the boat on a GMT.
0: All I'll say is that it made the trading week very busy uh, and quite fun. But uh, yeah. We, we can leave it there and get into the rest of the wait,
1: feedback. Wait, we, we can leave it there and get into the rest awesome. of the feedback. You know what's funny, though? I found Christopher, your friend, your IRL friend, Christopher's feedback from last week. And I didn't even notice. His, <laughs> all, his only feedback was, excuse me, I have a comment. This episode is so good. Seven out of seven stars. Even though we do a four out of four. Uh, look, So shout out to Christopher because I was just chuckling to myself reading his feedback from last week. Chris knows that it's four out of four. He knows. No, I, I, know, he, I know he knows Chris. He, Chris is a funny guy. He's like he a- has a lot of tongue tongue cheek feedback. Yes. So he's a- very much a yeah. troll,
0: I would say. Uh, he sent me a video yeah. this morning of him uh, when he was like eight, just filming downtown Chicago with his family, and like he like produced it now and like edited it. And it was uh, it was a slog to get through. Anyway, it was uh, it was pretty fun. <laughs>
1: uh, no, Christopher Christmas funny. I enjoy all his feedback, even when it's not serious at all. Exactly. And
0: then who else did who else said to Yeah, so Audrey to, uh, really you sure. know, previous guest wrote in uh, and said, Did mm-hmm. Aang get the short end of the stick by not seeing any of the air nomads he was close to or lost? And also, would you rather see someone from your past in the swamp? Can be someone past or someone you just lost touch with, like Sokka or Katara, or see a future person like Aang.
1: Hmm, I think Aang, yeah, maybe he did, but maybe it would have been a traumatic experience. Like maybe it would have been like like Princess Yue with soccer, where like Mon Gyatso pops up and is like, you shouldn't have left or like something horrible. Yeah. So maybe Aang dodged a bullet in that regard. But to answer Audrey's question, honestly, I would not want to see a lot of the people from my past. I feel like I distance myself or stop talking to them for a reason. So yeah, I feel like there's not there's, I'd rather see somebody like pleasant that I'm going to interact with from the future, like Ang did with uh, Top. Yeah, I'd rather see somebody from the future than the past, but that's just me. I don't know. Everybody's different. So,
0: no, I agree with you, Zach. I would much rather see a future person myself. Uh, I think that it would be uh, a lot more hopeful. You know, if you see someone from the past, it's like, oh, thinking about what has already happened. But if you see someone in the future, it's like, oh, that person's going to be important for. For me. Uh like I'm excited to see what's gonna happen. Um and yeah, I think that there's like a lot of hope in that. So I definitely go with the future person. In terms of getting the short into the stick, I don't really know. Uh I think ang getting to see Toph and getting the like clarity of like okay this is someone who's gonna be important is much more valuable than seeing like Monkey Azzo and then
1: just like bump into a tree. Um, no, no, I, I agree with that completely. And um, yeah, I mean, that's should we just jump into Lydia's feedback well, right now? And is that a- we have
0: a, a few more people? Uh, we let's oh, okay, say Lydia perfect. for last. So uh, Dan, oh, perfect, Dan, perfect. Dan wrote in and said, what do you think of the Swamp Bender hunting song? How does it compare to Secret Tunnel, Traveling Girl? winter, spring, and whatever else I might be missing that's aired so far. So what uh, I'd propose here, uh, you know, we've had some songs. I feel like every time they come up, we talk about them. I think we should create a mm-hmm. tier list of the songs and slot them in. Does that sound good with you? Should son? we
1: do that right now? I think, we, should we wait until we get, because we're close to Tales of Boss Sing Se, right? Should we wait till then? Because there's going like, to be a lot of songs that's easy, but I guess we could start the tier list right now. So I assume you have the Tunnel Song and the S tier. I don't know if I'd slot any song in the S tier from uh, you're wrong. or none of the songs. Okay, okay, you know what? I'll concede. I'll concede just so we don't spend too much that's time good. on it. We'll have the Tunnel Song the S tier. I enjoyed this hunting song. I don't know if it's A tier, but at the very least, it's B tier for me.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I can get behind that. So, uh, yeah, you know, an S tier for the, uh, for the secret tunnel song. I think that this Dan, the song here
1: is B tier. I think it's like enjoyable. It's kind of funny. Um, and Dan is an ATLA super fan because I forget some of these. Oh, the traveling girl. Is that also another song by like the hippies? Yes. Uh, I believe so. It's like, uh, uh, don't
0: fall in love with the traveling girl. She'll leave you broken hearted.
1: That one. Okay, give the put that in like D tier, okay. and then what about Winter Spring? What, the, what song is that That's again? the one that un- Uncle Iro singing on the boat, where he's like Winter, Spring, Summer, <laughs> and Fall. That song like kind of sucks, but that scene makes me laugh. So like, I kind of want to put that in like the C or B tier for that reason. Just like Iro's like horrible singing overall, just like makes me chuckle. So I want to bump it up a tier for that reason. So
0: I actually had that one in, in C tier as well, uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, I thought that that would be a hot take that that song was like any good
1: at all. But no, I mean, no, nah, I nah, I mean, it, it's a horrible song. Like we're not gonna we're not, we're not pretending like it's a good song. But just the comedic value of it overall makes it C tier rather than like F tier. All right,
0: so. and then one, there we go. I think one last oh, one. What about the girls from Bossing say? Where do we have that one, Zach?
1: Mm D tier, if not F tier. I, I, I have it yeah. we- yeah. uh, F tier. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll good. we'll put it F tier. iroh has got better songs
0: coming up, so. All right. Well, there you go. That's our uh, tierless ranking and that's another thing that we can update every time we get one. So that's uh True. I mean, there we go. Yeah. We can make a little Google Doc and voila,
1: we got ourselves a new little segment Thanks. here.
0: Thanks for writing in, Dan. I'm uh you know, I'm a huge fan of the songs
1: anyway, so getting to explicitly rank them on the pod's pretty fun. Uh, Yeah, I sang a song horribly off tune this episode. (laughs) Maybe next week, Jacob will sing one completely off tune as well.
0: Sure, uh, I can work that in. Uh, (laughs) Sarah wrote in and said, uh, so uh, with the magical swamp connection thing, why is there a need for the lion turtle deus ex machina? I saw that you responded to this in the Facebook page, but I think it's a good question to bring up here as well.
1: It, it is a good question, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. I love Avatar The Last Airbender, one of my favorite shows of all time, but I think the finale is a little weak, and I've heard behind the scenes that they rushed it, there were some writing issues, some budget issues, and the Lion Turtle in particular just kind of seems so out of nowhere, and I get what, where Sarah's coming from, because why couldn't Aang use this, like, tracking power rather than using the Lion Turtle, right? Because the Lion Turtle does. I think they provide more build-up to Aang doing what he does in this episode than what they end up doing with the lion turtle and for those who don't know a deus ex machina is a random story or plot de- or story event or plot device that just ends up saving a character like out of the blue that's essentially what a deus ex machina is so it's like a sign of the writing not being amazing and i didn't love the day de- i'm not a biggest fan of the avatar finale for a couple of things so We'll get into that when we get there, but I do agree with the gist of what Sarah's saying. What about you, Jacob?
0: Yeah, I do think that it would have been better to rely on something that's already been introduced into the universe. Yes. Uh, Because, like, the whole issue with, like, these sort of occurrences in movies is, like, whenever it comes out of nowhere and it's, like, essentially, uh, like, without this plot device, there's, like, an unsolvable problem. And it seems like they'd already introduced something into the universe which could have brought back like a more plausible happy ending to get to the resolution they wanted. So I think I would have preferred uh, for them to go back to the, the swamp ending instead, or sorry, the swamp with a tree rather than like have this lion turtle. I think this is actually, like, I agree. And I, I think this is a great observation by Sarah. Cause like, this is not something. No, I true,
1: true. Like. Yeah, and shout out to Sarah, consistent writer of feedback. So, Thanks, Sarah. Because yeah, this was a very good observation. Because honestly, even with the finale, we're not going to get into it. But I don't even like the fact that they sealed his chakra and like him like his back, hitting the point, him getting his bending powers back. I didn't like that, like writing overall or the lead up to that. But we'll get there when yeah. we we'll get there. Yeah. No need to stop down on it now. So
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, about like a year too early, almost uh, talking about that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, we're a couple of months early for sure on that.
0: Yeah. Last person to write in is Lydia. She wrote, uh, "What is the most creative use of water adjacent water bending aside from swamp?" Uh, plant bending and blood bending. She suggested a few. She said soup bending umbrella bending or watermelon bending. Zach, any of those tickle your fancy or you want to go out of the box here? So what do, what do you do with
1: watermelon I, bending? I don't understand. I, the other two I understand, but watermelon is like you're just trying to find the watermelon with the perfect consistency, but with like bending instead of like shaking it. Is that what we're doing here? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I have the luxury. <laughs> I, I'm just curious. I have the luxury that I could like ask
0: Lydia. I uh, like sort of asked her what she meant and she just meant that you could bring watermelon to you. So I think it's
1: more of like an on-delivery <laughs> food service more than anything Oh, well, else. I mean that's that is pretty useful. I feel like of those of those three that Lydia floated out, rain bending would be the most useful because if you're a water bender, you don't even need an hypothetical. Let's say you forget your umbrella at home. I assume you can just bend the rain off of you and like make yourself like almost always dry. So yeah. that would be very useful. I'm trying to think of my own unique thing. Give me a moment, right. Jacob. Do you have any yeah. unique version of water bending you know, that you could float out there? I was thinking about ways to get rid of household chores. Uh, I know
0: that we said that uh, you know air bending would be great to get done with household chores but i think water bending to do the dishes maybe even laundry bending yes i think those are no
1: you're, you're i was just thinking about the exact same thing water bending to like clean because i hate cleaning i do it i like i try to be on top of most chores like dishes and stuff we currently me and my roommates we don't have a dishwasher so mm-hmm. it would yeah. be nice if i could just water bend all the dishes clean can you see katara she water bends stuff pretty quickly like yeah. water bending like they water bending gets stuff done fast so it's efficient i kind of you're right I, no, it is very efficient. So, yeah, for that reason, I if I was a waterbender in my day-to-day life, I would definitely be using it to clean stuff in a much more efficient manner than my slow ass normally does. So, there you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's a, a good call. So, I think, uh, you know, household cleaning bending would be what uh, Zach and I would opt for. Uh, but yeah, if anyone else has a more creative use for waterbending, we'd love to hear it. Uh, any other feedback, please do write it in avatar at post show recaps or tweet at us at post show recaps with your feedback. We do love hearing it, and it, this segment is so much fun. Last segment we have for you today is the T Quartet. Uh, we're going on a little bit of a Marvel stint uh, the next few weeks. Last week we did Team Iron Man from Captain America Civil War. Now we're doing Team Captain America. So, as a reminder, that's going to be Captain America, Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye, and Ant-Man. Those are the four we're doing today.
1: Should we start with the leader of the bunch, Captain America? Yeah, let's go for it. What do you have Captain America as? I've Captain America as my Earthbender and uh, it was kind of tough. I'm not the biggest Marvel fan myself. And Captain America is a is pers- a character I've always personally found very dull. Even within the comics, not one of my favorite superheroes, but things Captain America, he's never really driven by emotion, I would say. Yeah. He may be driven by like a love for his country. He's very patriotic as evidenced by his name and a bunch of other (laughs) things. But overall, he's not really one. Like, compared to a lot of the heroes you see in the Marvel universe, a lot of them are hot-headed, a lot of them are emotional, and I think he just exudes a lot of Earthbender traits, especially relative to the other superheroes. What about yourself, Jake?
0: No, I agree. He's definitely the Earthbender of the group. You know, he's very by-the-book, very, like, you know, stand-your-ground, determined. Uh, He has, like, a clear view of right and wrong, uh, and I think these are all things that an earthbender has. I don't think that he would be like, uh, like a Toph or a Boomy. I think
1: he'd more be like the resistance leader that we saw yes, last week. But, movie. but Toph and Boomy are so unique in comparison. Like, yeah. they don't honestly, like, they don't even have like the standard earthbending trades. That's why I like, I try not to compare people to those two yeah. in the earthbending when we do the T quartet because they're so, it's same with like Iroh as a firebender. Like, Iroh is very unlike a lot of the other firebenders we meet. So. But yeah, he, he is different from those two. I would agree with that. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. I think he's the earthbender. The next easiest mm-hmm. one that I see, I think, is Ant-Man as the airbender. Uh, you know, Ant-Man's like the silly one. He's, uh, you know, he's the guy who's like cracking jokes all the time. Uh, he's, yeah, I just feel like he's the airbender. Uh, he's got that sort of like levity to him. I think that, you know, he doesn't even take himself that seriously. And I think that makes him
1: uh, like a good slot for that ant- uh, I, I agree with Ant Man as the Airbender, and since we're an hour and forty minutes into this podcast, can I get a little PG thirteen, maybe a little rated R here, if you don't mind? Uh, Do you let's care? go like PG uh, like sixteen at most. So if it's like okay, very PG, PG sixty, rated- remember that. Remember that meme where it was like Ant Man was like gonna beat Thanos by uh, how can I word this? <laughs> Crawling into his rectum. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed the movie didn't go that route. <laughs> like, I was kind of hoping they would lead into the memes and do that. Because that would have been a hilarious way to defeat this, like, almighty, like, universe conqueror Thanos. So so Just, just have Ant-Man be the one to beat him. So, just to,
0: to clarify, what you would <laughs> have wanted is for Ant-Man to go into Thanos' body and then
1: expand really quickly and tear him apart. That's what you would have wanted the movie yes, to be? Yes. Yeah, and because when I saw that meme like trending before the movie came out, I was thinking to myself, like, wow, I kind of wish the writers went this route. But I, I completely understand i am in the minority there but yeah that's my little ant man aside to talk about ant man as an airbender no i completely agree with you he's very fun loving i think his um hispanic friend i forget his name he'd also be an earthbender or an airbender Mm -hmm. so yeah he's very fun loving his even his powers because his ant man's powers relative to every other hero are pretty unique like he can go shrink to like a microscopic level and I feel like he's got a lot of innovating techniques that, like, we see Aang and other airbenders in Avatar The Last Airbender utilize. So, yeah, I think Adman is definitely the clear-cut airbender here. Yeah.
0: Is there a place you want to go next? Yeah, I think the next easiest one is uh, probably with uh, Scarlet Witch is the Firebender. Uh, you know, I think that she often uh like gets a bit aggressive, like she gets, especially if in the like uh, the most recent Avengers movie, like she really does feel the rage when she's like met with Thanos again. Uh, when she says like, you took everything from me. I feel like she's the person who's like has that sort of quiet rage. Uh She's like not always upset. But when she does, like you definitely don't want to be on her bad side. And I think that's why she's a firebender.
1: And, and correct me if I'm wrong, her powers, are they, are they powered up by emotion? I was actually talking to a friend of the podcast, Pat, about this because he's a bigger Marvel stand than I am. So I was actually picking his brain about Scarlet Witch's powers. So do they get, does she get more powerful the more angry she is? Is she something like that? Uh, Like, I definitely
0: do think when she gets angrier, it helps her like be more powerful, but I don't think it's like a required. A direct I think it just like is helpful. Um, but yeah, it's not like Hulk or anything. Yeah, like no, that. she's definitely not like fueled only by her anger. Like she definitely has powers when she's not angry. Um, mm-hmm.
1: unlike Hulk, who's always okay. angry. But yeah, no, no, I agree with you. Scarlet, which is definitely our fire banner, especially when you compare her to her partner in life and in uh, the TV show, WandaVision, uh, vision it's like he's so calm and like collected compared to her, I feel like. Not that she is not calm, but it's just like Vision is so just one note, whereas she's the one of those two who's expressing all the emotion yeah, and yeah. all that. So, yeah, no, I definitely have her as our firebender, especially relative to the other three yep. superheroes we're comparing her to. She definitely fits as our fire. And, and no spoilers for Wonder Vision, but that show is really good. So, uh... I haven't watched the most recent episode, and yeah, it was fan. pretty good. I, I like I the, uh, the parodies. I really like Catherine Hahn. I think she She's a great actress in general. Yeah, I agree.
0: Last person that we have for you today is Hawkeye. Hawkeye, uh, you know, like it's a little bit hard to know uh, where Hawkeye stands. He doesn't really seem to have like a ton to go off of. But I do think that his like whole experience as Ronan in the past two movies and like sort of like him using his like sadness to fuel like taking down criminals makes him more of a waterbender than the rest of the people. And that's what I've slotted him as here.
1: Yeah, and then like well, Hawkeye's willing to change up his style. And I feel like that's the trait. I looked up waterbending, bending; talks about it. It's the element of change. And that's one thing. Like at one point, he goes through like this whole transformation. He shaves his head and does something like that, right? Yeah. Am I crazy? He goes through a whole little thing in the movies. And uh, yeah, I think out of everybody here, he exudes the most waterbending traits. Admittedly, waterbending, I always feel like, is the toughest person or toughest bending type to slot people into because a lot of people very few are like you see them you're like that person screams waterbender (laughs) sometimes we see it it's rare whereas firebender airbender those are kind of always the easiest of any quartet yeah so it's like admittedly it's kind of tougher but I feel like yeah he's willing to change he's willing to do what it takes he's fueled by his like sadness and stuff which I feel like just like we see Katara in the TV show she's also fueled by her sadness when it comes to her waterbending and the loss of her mother so yeah but out of everybody here he he, does, he is the most waterbender Admittedly, it's not the best slot for him. Maybe he could be another bending type, but compared to the other three here, he definitely is a waterbender. Yep, agreed with you there. So just to recap, what we have is we
0: have Steve Rogers, Captain America, as our earthbender. We have Clint Barnes, Hawkeye, as our waterbender. We have, uh, oh, I shouldn't have started with their real names. Scott Lang, <laughs> Ant Man, as the, uh, as the airbender. We have Wanda Maximov, also known as Scarlet Witch, as the firebender.
1: I would not have been able to say any of their real names, so bravo jacob Ooh. i'll give you a little one man applause there. Oh, thank you you know that's... <laughs> i would have just started you know what i would have uh, defaulted to their actors names i feel mm, like yeah. i would been like yeah paul ron is our airbender blah, blah, blah but good job there hey, and I'm yeah just, that's uh, all for us today i'm pretty okay oh, i'm just trying to do whatever i can to get applause you know that
0: that felt great zach uh,
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you deserved. I was like, admittedly deserved applause, (laughs) because I would not have been able to do that. On that note, yeah, we're pretty much done here. This is a fun podcast. I enjoyed this, honestly. (laughs) I mean, we went on a little bit, but I I, I had a fun time here. This was a solid podcast. Good episode, great podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Next week, just for the T Quartet, we'll be doing Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, there are five people. We'll have a plan for that next week.
1: Uh, Yeah, we'll figure it out. I ain't too worried. Yeah.
0: But that's what we what you can expect next week. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love the feedback. Uh, Zach, I had a fun time podcasting with you today. This is uh, I think one of our more fun podcasts. So
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I laughed a bunch. <laughs> if I'm laughing, that means I'm having fun. Yeah. Where can they find where can the people find you on Twitter?
0: Jay? They can find me at JK Redman. You can also listen to the latest episode of Renap and find out if I'm an asshole or if I'm not uh fingers crossed. yeah i gotta
1: listen to that I, I usually listen to them at night but yesterday i was just watching avatar i was a little late to that so i did yeah. that rather than finish the aita podcast but i'm very excited yeah. to get into that I didn't, I didn't even know you were appearing on it that was just a
0: pleasant surprise yeah you know uh didn't didn't uh publicize it a ton before i i didn't have any like wheel ideas or anything just came on to you know find out if i'm in the wrong so uh pretty simple appearance there but it was lots of fun uh zach where can they find you
1: People can find me at ZachMohammed32 on Twitter. Yeah, I try and try, try to be a little more active on Twitter. I'm not the best, but shout out to the Rob has a podcast community as a whole on Twitter. I think I don't like Twitter as a platform, but I like all the like following all my favorite podcasters and all the interaction from them and the fans is really cool. And it's such a great little community we have here. So thanks to everybody involved with that. And yeah, we'll see all you guys later. Peace out. See ya.